Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on October the 3rd, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the now slightly less sexy... Slightly? I mean, I've always never been sexy, so... Uh, caffeine reaction. Now I've made myself sad. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. We're going to be going behind the addictive psychology and seductive art of loot boxes. Oh my... The Nintendo Creators Program bans YouTube live streaming. PUBG is hit with negative reviews following in-game ads in China. The company that had its 200 fake games removed from Steam is shutting down. Fortnite Battle Royale game mode hits a million players on its first day. The Overwatch director says it's scary to be open with players. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. And if you guys haven't noticed, I sound very different this week because I bought a, a proper, proper good, real good recording mic. So that's why Rage is slightly less sexy, or maybe it's I'm slightly more sexy. Well, that was a low bar, so. <laughs> I don't care. I'll take any raising of the bar on my sexiness. Well, we know how you like to raise the bar. Yeah, I do. Wink. How you doing, buddy? How you doing? Uh, doing all right. Uh, a little disappointed by the coffee drink I had earlier, but yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I've been thinking about it since we talked about that, like, what, 30 minutes ago now? Yeah. I don't think I don't think you're getting old. I just, like, I mean, I like my coffee to taste like coffee, even if it does have good amounts of cream and sugar in it. I mean, if I had, uh, well, uh, I guess I should say I got a coffee drink from uh, the local grocery store when I was over there. Uh, it was uh, a, f- uh, a freebie that they were handing out, and I thought, why the hell not? I'll try it. Go, uh, free is a good price for coffee, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and it has twice the amount of sugar that you're supposed to have in a complete day. <laughs> and it didn't taste like coffee. It tasted like sugar and milk. Which, I mean- if I wanted milk and sugar, I'd just go get a glass of milk and put sugar in it. Or have cereal. <laughs> well, because of you, I've been eating my cereal differently. I, I Yogurt. Oh, yes. That is the best way to have cereal. Well, I typically get uh, plain yogurt anyway, and I'll have it with fresh fruit. So I'll just... Uh, uh, I adopted the way you eat cereal. You've affected me, Jared. You've I affected ha- oh. me. I've affected you deeply. I have touched you in ways that no other man has before. Yes, you've touched me in my breakfast cereal. <laughs> this is a very intimate place to touch. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my favorite way to eat cereal, is with yogurt. Yeah, and granted, I probably have some of the best cereal for it. I usually have, like, honey bunches of oats or... Uh, you know, yes. So that sort of, uh, you know, typical... Uh, old man cereal anyway yeah that's the best cereal to have with it anyways like the sort of like super sugary like targeted at kids cereal Mm -hmm. just doesn't mesh well with the yogurt because there's so much sugar but you get some good honey nut cheerios or or honey bunches of oats or uh well uh, i also had uh, nature's valley uh granola cereal also was pretty good with it 
Granted, not as good, but it's just I didn't prefer the cereal. You know what my favorite cereal is to have with yogurt? What? Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran is delicious with yogurt. Hmm. Don't really care for it with milk, but with yogurt, it's amazing. And welcome to the perfect cereal portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm game. I'm game for some <laughs> breakfast cereal. We have we have cereal and yogurt, so maybe later, if I want a snack, I'll go have some of that. Sounds well, like an excellent snack. Well, that's what I had uh, for breakfast. Well, that and a piece of toast. Not the biggest toast guy, although in the last few months, I've definitely eaten more toast than I have in like the last few years. I'm becoming... I used to never eat breakfast, but I'm becoming a breakfast eater, a breakfast guy. Like, I, It makes me sick to eat breakfast too early in the morning, but now that I'm consistently working regular hours, it, it, it pays to eat breakfast. Well, uh, I shouldn't say in the morning because, yo, that's rare for me. But well, when I wake up, morning. well, it, it's morning somewhere. <laughs> wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. But anyway, I have my cereal uh, with yogurt and a cup of coffee, and yeah, usually uh, uh, toast with it as well. And that's my typical breakfast. That, that's the breakfast of rage. I usually have eggs. I'll make. Two, maybe three fried eggs and a piece of toast or two. And occasionally, like, have some sausage or bacon. But eating really heavy stuff early in the morning like that makes me feel sick to my stomach. So, Well, well there's your problem. You're making heavy stuff. I know. I mean, I mean, that's, a, I mean that's a lot of oil to eat in the uh, very early morning. But I don't like to have, like, cereal for breakfast because it's too sweet. And I also don't like to have pancakes and waffles for breakfast because they're too sweet. Well, the other thing I make often is overnight oatmeal. Yeah, you've told me about that before. Yeah, uh, just uh, it's a cold oatmeal that uh, is soaked in well yogurt and milk. You know, I love that we were worried that we were going to be short this week <laughs> because we have a lot of small topics. But we've talked for yeah, what, uh, five minutes about breakfast foods. Yeah. Uh, well, this is what happens when uh, you're. Uh, can we consider ourselves a uh, spinoff of Kerbalcast? E- At one point, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long. Yeah. Have we have we been going longer than Kerbalcast did? Well, content, of course, because yeah, we record like crazy. Yeah, but uh, I mean, but like I think just... episode count were pretty much uh, up there as well. Yeah, I think they had like seventy or eighty episodes, and. I mean, if you don't count the Franken episodes, we're at 80, 83, 84. This is episode 84, if you don't count the Franken stuff. Yeah, which so, I don't. So, yeah. 16 more episodes until we do our special. Have I said what we were going to do for episode 100? No, we, uh, we haven't really discover, uh, discussed it too much. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll, I won't say. But, yes. And? And... Uh, Video we games? Should go, yeah, we should go talk about video games, Rage. <laughs> what games have you played this week, my good sir? Well, uh, the first game I played was question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> okay, yeah. I shouldn't do that. I guess I should copy and paste in what my actual game was, because uh, since I was messing with Jared, I uh, decided to leave another random link for him. Right. And uh, uh. Well, uh, do you have any other guesses? Uh, before we get started, because it's also part of this is to see how well you know me. <laughs> no, I spent forever going through a big list of city builders 
and I just could not figure it out. I made a bunch <laughs> of guesses, but they were all wrong, so I well, give up. Well, part of the problem was you probably wasn't going old enough. This is actually going to be the second oldest game I've played on my channel. Uh, okay. By my, uh, a quick count. And it's not typically considered a city builder, even though you could call it that. Uh, it was originally okay. considered a action RPG or a, a, a action adventure. And I said today it would be re- considered a roguelite city builder by modern standards, which means it's older. And um, I'm also breaking out the emulation station. Okay. So you probably weren't even looking at the proper list to begin with. <laughs> nope. I was looking at PC games. Okay, what what did you... Dark Cloud oh, okay. 2. Never mind. <laughs> Even though originally released as Dark Chronicle, it's the spiritual sequ- uh, successor to Dark Cloud, which is a game I absolutely enjoyed playing back in the day. You know what? I genu- genuinely, this week, I was thinking about <laughs> games that I wanted to, to see if I could find uh, ROMs for so I could play them. Dark Cloud was on that list. Or not Dark... Dark is that the first title? Uh, d- first one just Dark Cloud. Yeah, the first one's Dark Cloud, yeah. and the second one uh, w- was kind of a rebrand in the United States uh, as Dark Cloud Two, but it was called Dark Chronicle. Even though it still has the same basic uh, mechanics, it's not a connected story, so I don't feel bad about just jumping into Dark Cloud Two yeah, after I- not playing Dark Cloud for shit probably about seventeen years. Actually, I think it released I- in two thousand. God, I, we, like, we must have synced. <laughs> I genuinely, like, I put it on my list of games, like, cause I've, I've had a hankering to, to play some more, some more emulated games. And I was like, what was that one game I played when I was a kid? And like, you built the, you like, you built the towns and you had to build them like perfect to get the bonuses. And they, it had dungeon crawling. And I went looking and I found it and I put it on my list of games to look for. So our cycles have synced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, you would have never guessed that one, would you? <laughs> no, never in a million years would I have guessed that. <laughs> Which is part of the reason why I do this as well. Like I said, partly to see if you can figure me out, partly to see how well you know me, and partly just to leave you a random link uh, for you to click on uh, uh, before the show. And this one, uh, this uh, this time around, it was, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, you didn't say the magic word. Ah, ah, ah. For an hour. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it for an hour, but... Yeah, somebody looped it for an hour, and that is the magic of the internet. Anyway, should we talk about Dark Cloud 2? We should. I've only gotten probably about two hours into the actual story so far, and one of the nice things about it for my playtesting was I was able to skip all the cutscenes. So, you know, the story is kind of fresh still. Uh, Dark Cloud 2 is, uh, well, like I said, nowadays it would be considered a roguelite in that you go into a randomized dungeon, fight monsters, uh, get uh, loot, and build out a fractured world. In Dark Cloud 2, you're actually building out, I believe, a lot more than you were in the original game, which was pretty much centralized to, I think it was two, three towns? Um, oh, it's been I think so it's long. Three. There's, uh, no, it, it, there's it's, four. There's it's four kind towns. Of a, it, it's such a weird uh, genre. It's technically, I would call it a city builder, but it's almost a, more of a puzzle game where you're trying to figure out, you know, just how everything works together. 
Yeah. Uh, the the idea of the city builder aspect of this is that as you're out uh, doing stuff, you collect parts of this fractured world. And you're building uh, back the pieces of your town, or in this case, other towns, because uh, the central character of Dark Cloud 2 is from the last remaining town. Granted, I'm not sure how long that's going to stay like that, because, yeah, I uh, haven't played this game before. And you're trying to essentially... Well, you don't have to spend the time to get the bonuses as well, which is something, something kind of nice that you can just put the, throw together the town and you're like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> it, but it's... A, there's a certain era in uh, gaming around the P, uh, early to mid PS2 where the games still kind of hold up. Uh, would you agree with that? Uh, graphically. Yeah. Because a PS1 era, N64 era, it's just ugly as hell. Yeah, I, and, yeah. Until I mean, you I'll, start to get to the late uh, era of that uh, console. Yeah, and a lot of PS2 games, I mean, they don't look, like, amazing. But in general, they do hold up. Yeah, and uh, this one, uh, well, I'm playing it 720p widescreen. I found a memory hack to get it widescreen. <laughs> nice. And it's caused some interesting things to happen. Let's let's put it that way. There's a uh, cutscene in the first episode. You, uh, you're character max is going to the circus and he overhears things that he isn't supposed to and hence that you know life outside the city isn't all as uh, sweet as people would think and there is no war in these walls essentially <laughs> it's uh, really kind of the same thing as that and uh he's chased around the circus by clowns of course and there's this one cutscene where he kicks this clown off the trapeze and because I have the widescreen enabled, <laughs> the clown just kind of hangs there. <laughs> <laughs> because the animator, you know, wouldn't uh, have the clown just continue going, because why would they? It's a four by three screen, usually. But it's actually playing fairly well. There is that kind of adjustment period for me where I'm playing with my DualShock 4, emulating an Xbox controller that is using... PS2 button prompts. <laughs> okay. So nice. So, for example, when it says to hit X, there's that moment of, what is X? <laughs> Do we really know it as X? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't make that big a change because it's well, X is A in my mind because I'm used to the Xbox controller. I played with the Xbox controller. Really, since it's kind of, uh, well, I should say the 360 controller, because that's where it kind of finalized its design. Since it came out, uh, well, about a year after it came out, that's a lot of hard-coded, you know, hard-wired uh, muscle memory. And I would put a counter of just how many times I hit the wrong button, but I don't think there's enough screen space for that big a number. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Every time we play any game ever together. <laughs> Uh, especially after spending a long time of you playing like XCOM and you're, why won't they move? Oh, I have to left click. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't get that quick of muscle memory. I, it, it takes a while for it to build up to that degree. You know, I might hit the wrong button occasionally, but not as bad as you. But uh, not a lot. I could really talk about the story just yet on this because, you know, I'm three, four episodes in. But it's uh, 
such a uh, kind of a refreshing thing to not have to worry about DLC, not have to worry about microtransactions, to just go back and enjoy a, a complete game. Indeed. I have... I should probably put on the general topics list or maybe bring it up later, but that thing I mentioned the other day, I think it was when we were streaming Friday. Yeah, go ahead and put it on the general topics list. Okay. Yeah, there's a really a hard division, I guess, uh, in the PS3 era, uh, or that console generation, where you started seeing a lot more microtransactions and DLC. I mean, granted, there are DLCs and some uh, PlayStation 2 games in, uh, of that era, but not that many. And it's kind of refreshing just to go back and enjoy the good old days. You know, when there was such a thing as a cheat code. Yeah. So that's what's going to be on my channel. Actually, starting, uh, well, Thursday. Uh, that series is going to start, and I've been, uh, I put the first episode up, and I'm kind of, you know, waiting to see if it gets, uh, hit with a, uh, content ID match, because it does have a rather long song uh, sequence in it. Yeah, the opening credit sequence. Because it's a JRPG. Of course it's going to have the long credit sequence at the very beginning with a song. <laughs> yeah. But it hasn't been hit yet, so I think I'm okay. But it's also, you know, a 16-year-old game. This came out in 2002. The only thing that predates it on my channel right now is, I believe, Halo Combat Evolved. Yep, which came out in 2001. So, yeah, uh, digging way back in gaming history. And this was also the kind of the catalyst of the question of the week, which we'll get to later. So, speaking of, uh, well, other things, let's move swiftly along, or semi-swiftly, to Pinball FX3, or 3. This is a update to Pinball FX, uh, a free-to-play pinball game. Have you ever played uh, the Pinball FX series? Yes, I've played the very first one. Um, it was it came to Xbox Live Arcade. Well, uh, many two years came ago, to uh, Steam and uh, three uh, just came out. It's essentially just a really a, almost a graphical update. Most of the tables are there. Uh, I know. I was just talking about you know it's so nice to play something without DLC and then immediately go to something with a ton of DLC. <laughs> right, uh, but. The only thing that isn't coming, I believe, is the South Park tables. There's a couple of console exclusives, which doesn't matter for Steam. And there was one other that I can't think of, but I didn't have it anyway. But most of the pinball FX tables are either Marvel or, Marvel or Star Wars related, which is interesting. <laughs> and I've been playing this just to yeah, really see what they changed. And most of it is kind of just... Better uh, lighting visuals, better uh, uh, shadow quality, that sort of thing. It's a very incremental uh, update. But they also added a lot of multiplayer uh, components. Uh, a lot of matchmaking. I haven't done the online matchmaking yet, but I have played in a couple of uh, tournaments, which is uh, interesting to be able to do just you know from the comfort of my uh, own house. Uh, pinball is one of those things that you don't really see on the wild all that often anymore, do you? No, no, you don't. Well, I mean, you see one occasionally if you go to like, I don't know, like a CC's Pizza or something like that, but or a bar. Bars sometimes I've seen have pinball table or pinball machines in them still. Well, pinball tables are very complex things and very prone to a lot of of abuse. Yeah, to the point that yeah, you know, seeing a, a pinball table is kind of a novelty. 
So it's nice to see that, you know, pinball will live on in the digital era, at least. And the pinball FX series is more about tables that really can't exist in reality. You know, having a lot of special modes, a lot of uh, secondary tables that just can't happen in real life. Right. Or like some really crazy, like, effects and things. Or uh, one of the tables I have is called Epic Quest, which is sort of your overconfident uh, RPG character. Uh, and it's a RPG where your character slowly levels up, he gets gear and that sort of thing. And that's something that you really can't do at a pinball table without a lot of specialized stuff going on. Right. I, I'm i going to download this. I didn't realize it was free. Like, I liked the first one. Yeah, but yeah it's ex- free. Ex- it, it's free and you get uh, one table uh, for free to play. And the rest are DLCs, but the free table is actually really, really, really good. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll I'd play the free one, and then whenever they have a, a good sale, yeah, they had uh, a, a a humble bundle. I would say probably about a year or two ago that had a bunch of the tables on it. And the thing is that F uh, X two's DLC, with the exception of a couple licensed deals that they couldn't transfer over, all came to F X three. So. I have a good amount of the tables. Right. And, well, if you're a Star Wars nut, there's a lot of Star Wars tables to play. I'm more interested in some of their own original creations. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, they have, I like Marvel, um, I like Star Wars and all that jazz, but, like, what yeah, else have, have you a, got? They have about a dozen uh, original tables that they've created. Something yeah. on that order. Uh, with some uh, interesting themes to them. Uh, some of them are really good, some of them are uh, not that great, but you have, each table I think has a three or four minute uh, uh, trial that you could try. You know, just uh, load it up, uh, play it for a bit, and once it kicks you out, you could go back in and try it again. Just to uh, get a feel for the table. Right. But uh, very worth uh, checking out, especially if you have DLC for the first, for the, well I should say the first one on Steam, the second game in the series. And also, I'm not sure if FX, the original, carried over its DLC to two. So if you played the very first one, you may not have that DLC. But very worth checking out. Yeah, I'm, I started the download and then hit pause on it so that it's not messing with that connection. But I'll definitely play it. And then... Uh, yeah, there was, like- a, there was a... Uh, they did change some of the tables minorly to uh, try to uh, improve the physics. But it's all very minor stuff, and there, I, there was a slight difference in feel on uh, the. Uh, now I can't even think of the uh, free-to-play table, but uh, the uh, free-to-play table I compared it with FX2 before I deleted it because really no reason to keep FX2 around with FX3. Right. Uh, it did feel slightly different, but not to the degree that it yeah was a completely foreign table to me. Right. But very worth it. Okay, so let's move on to kind of the heartbreaker for me uh, for the week. Battle Chasers Night War. And heartbreaker because my computer did not like this game. I love this game. At least what I got to play. But I have some sort of bug in Unity. Well, with certain Unity games that it'll hardlock my system. I mean, just straight up, it gets caught in some sort of loop. And will right. just not respond, and I have to do a hard reset. 
And unfortunately, Battle Chasers was one of them. And it, this was the game that I actually pushed back the Sunday sampler to Monday for because I had an embargo of on this game for Monday. And I was planning on doing a video and I was about 45 minutes, an hour in, and then it did its first lock after doing a quick you know, half an hour, 45 minute recording test. And that's when I realized I wasn't going to be able to uh, do enough of this game without just driving myself absolute batty. But uh, I can talk a little bit about the opening of this game, at least. Battle Chasers okay. is a side story to a, well, I guess a comic series. It was uh, from the late 90s uh, up to about 2001. And as I was downloading this, I actually read the comics online. And it's kind of funny to be reading the comics and see... Ads for Legend of Legia, Driver, yeah, the old PlayStation era games. <laughs> right. But Battle Chasers is uh, about a story of, uh, well, it's a fantasy story where you're playing as a nine-year-old girl who has her father's gauntlets that uh, just give her immense strength. And she's trying to find her father with her companions, a war golem named uh, uh, Cabrero, a uh, mage that I can't think of the name of, and he uh, uh, kind of uh, disappeared after the first cutscene, and we were trying to find him, a swordsman named Garrison, and a rogue named uh, Monica. And this is a sad story of they're out looking for her father. Because Garrison was really close to her father and was considered basically a son to him. Monica was uh, Garrison's teacher. And the wizard and the war golem are just friends of Golly, the nine-year-old girl who decided to help her. You're shot down in the opening cutscene and you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> and uh, there's hints at a lot of more deeper story, uh, stuff is going on and this is considered a sad story so you don't really have to read the original comics but it does give you the backstory up to you know, where the comic left off because it, it did it a cliffhanger of course right right of course uh, it uh, it gives the backstory of what's going on but you don't really need to read it to be able to understand okay well she's obviously uh, yeah upset that her father's gone and yeah it's gone through a lot of shit uh, the war golem is uh, trying to uh, keep his existence secret because, you know, obviously there's something going on there. And uh, one of the more interesting things about the uh, gameplay of this, well, there's really two interesting things, but one is how they handle the mana system in uh, the JRPG turn-based combat. In this world, mana is... Th think of mana like oil and oil's running out. Uh, mana is considered very scarce. And in this game, it's you have to manage your mana uh, very carefully. And you're able to generate a temporary mana pool through combat uh, called, I believe they called it overcharge, where your regular attacks had uh, generate an overcharge. And then you could use that in place of your mana to conserve it. And it led to some more strategic play as you do a couple quick attacks and then you go into your stronger attacks, which also take a charge up time. So you'll see this attack is a fast attack. So 
It has a uh, very quick charge-up time, and you can see on the left-hand side, the turn counter, your character bump up into the turn order as you uh, choose which attack you're doing. And it has a very deep strategic play to it that I absolutely loved. And the other thing that was kind of interesting about it is that they're doing sort of a roguelite dungeon-crawling thing where it's encouraged you to go back into the dungeons as you complete the story to unlock various secrets in it and various other wings to the dungeons. The first dungeon that I was able to hit, there was a, a wall that I couldn't move, that I needed magic to be able to uh, counter. So that means I have to go find the wizard character to be able to uh, uh, be able to move that wall or be able to break down that wall, I should say. Hmm. So I have seen this game before and I didn't yeah, think... It, yeah, it was successfully I mean, kickstarted. It didn't look terrible but it didn't sound like it was going to be like up my alley, but listening to you talk about it, I think I misunderstood some portions of the game. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a, it's a really weird mix-up because it has traditional JRPG uh, turn-based combat but it's a lot more strategic than you know, just sit, uh, stand around and randomly uh, hit one another. Right, and it also has well both an overworld, which uh, one of my main complaints about it is that moving through the overworld is very sluggish. It, you have to go through, uh, go past a lot of area, and it just takes a long time to be able to move around. But uh, the overworld is your traditional JRPG, but then you have sort of an action RPG a- area where. Uh, your different characters have different abilities. So like, well, uh, Golly, uh, she has her power gauntlets or power gloves that ha- ha- has a number of charges of a very strong punch. So some objects could be knocked out of the way by her ability. But if you waste them, then you have to restart the dungeon. Granted, usually that type of ability or you know, that type of uh, obstacle is for the bonus areas and not required to complete said dungeon. Uh, Garrison is able to quickly jump forward and uh, avoid damage. Cabrero uh, has a heal ability that is able to, uh, well, heal. Said, yeah, that's kind of obvious on that one. So self-explanatory. Yeah, exactly what it says on the ten. Let's see, uh, because he's war golem, ten. Hiyo. <laughs> but yeah, I really like this game. I- I'm upset that I was able to play more of it in this is going to be a future series. It just can't do it yet. Uh, my other complaints about it, the crafting system is a little obtuse where you have to find a crafting bench in a dungeon. It's not that bad, but it's not explained very well. But you, But to counteract that, you don't have to have all the components to be able to craft something. If Let's say I'm making a, a, a new breastplate. If I don't have all the components, I could try to make it anyway, but I have a lesser ch- percentage chance to make it. Getting all the components, 100% chance, going to guarantee to make it. Don't have enough iron? Well, I could try to hammer out the iron uh, thin uh, a little bit thinner, and I may be able to uh, uh, yeah, make it, but yeah, I have a certain percentage chance of not doing it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a nice... Uh, compromise for not be able to uh, craft everywhere. You know, uh, 
something I really want to make or something I may have to make to uh, get past the dungeon without just grinding, which this does may, well, I shouldn't say it does. It may encourage some grinding because you go back to previous dungeons and uh, go through them with uh, other characters. It uh, is kind of a counterbalance to that. And also, I didn't really care for the fishing ga- sub game. <laughs> of course, I'm uh, going to uh, be fishing, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but fishing's your thing, just like mining is mine. Yeah, well, uh, the fishing mini game, uh, it's, uh, well, you can actually see a screenshot of it, I believe, on the Steam store page somewhere, or at least it was in the, uh, yeah, it's uh, the the fourth screenshot. And it's kind of a cutaway view of the world you're able to cast out. But the thing is, it's very imprecise on where you're able to cast, and there's a very short timer on the amount of time that your character will keep a line out. So you're having to try to figure out just how to hit the fish, essentially, with your lure. It's not just sitting there and waiting for the fish. You have to kind of bring your lure to the fish, and it's a bit frustrating to not be able to hit it correctly. But you know that I've enjoyed the game when my big complaints are the fishing minigame and it's sluggish on moving on the overworld and the crafting system is a little bit obtuse. <laughs> yes, yes, this is positive rage. <laughs> so, should we go to negative rage? Sure. Uh, Figment, I did not really care for this one. <laughs> this was one I tr- after having battle uh, uh, chasers kind of fizzle on me, you know, oh, not really fizzle, but not be able to record properly, I just tried to decide to try Figment. This is Watered Down Bastion. Okay. Well, I probably shouldn't call it Watered Down Bastion, but it's uh, the uh, it's the same general idea. And well, uh, well, general. Style of game, I guess I should say. Probably the better way to put it would be take inside out, take out all the fun elements of it, take out all the humor of it, give it a surly, sweet, childlike voice actor for your Navi character, and take any possible charisma out of the main character. Oh, and also okay. give it weak ass combat. Yeah, this looks like a worse version of Bastion. Like the art style looks pretty good. Yeah, I like uh, the that's cool. yeah I like the art style. But the thing is that okay, you start off in the game car crash, and you're in the mind of one of these characters, most likely the father, because uh, just the way the uh, the uh, cutscene goes, there you have this childlike uh, yeah childlike wonder from the uh, child because you know childlike wonder yeah uh, yeah playing pretend in the backseat of the car. Uh, and talking about, yo, I want a job where I can parachute everywhere. <laughs> and uh, and she asked her father, uh, "Do you parachute your job?" And he's like, "No, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a realtor. Well, yeah, house salesman, but realtor." And uh, she says, "That's boring." <laughs> and then there's a car crash, and you wake up as Dusty, who is uh, grumbly and uh, you know, uh doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, obviously the father, right? Probably. Or you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, it can't be me because he wants his martinis. Ah. <laughs> anyway, the uh, combat is very Bastion-like, or very, uh, I guess, action RPG-like with the isometric view. 
I did absolutely love the art style, but and uh, the bosses have this kind of Saturday morning cartoon feel to them, where they'll have this really, really kind of earwormy song, but it's all offset by the well, the Navi character, which I can't even think of her name. Oh, it's right here, Piper. It is so syrupy sweet. I mean. You know what I'm talking about whenever I say you know, a very little children's uh, uh, TV show? How there's that yeah. certain tone? Oh, I do I know about little children's TV shows. Well, uh, well, obviously, but you know that certain <laughs> tone? You know, the overly sweet, overly optimistic? Yeah. That's Piper, and she doesn't shut the fuck up. So you can see why I didn't like this. <laughs> yeah. And on top of it, the combat is very weak. You have, uh, well, the opening area, you have enemies that pop up out of the uh, ground or out whatever the fuck this is. And you have to hit them. Well, each one takes five hits. And your sword attack is feels very weak because of that. And your sword attack is very sluggish. There's a certain amount of momentum and impact that a uh that is just lacking in this game that makes it feel so so boring in combat and that's the only attack is your sword attack at least in the first hour and some change okay it's it's disappointing because it looked interesting and it has an interesting premise being able to fight nightmares in uh the mind and uh maybe uh, a journey of self-discovery for dusty but they do not sell it well in the first hour that just turned me off from it. So that made me go play the game that I actually did for the Sunday Sampler. Which was The okay. Walking Vegetables. <laughs> the Walking Vegetables. Yeah, which... my uh, First of all, since when are lemons vegetables? Uh, never. Lemons are, are fruit. Yes. Uh, well, they kind of lost their theme when they decided to break it with uh, uh, lemons, there's peppers, and that's probably my biggest complaint about the game, because I actually really like this one. <laughs> this is a roguelite twin-stick shooter. Uh, think, uh, well, Binding of Isaac's not a good example, because it's more of a dungeon crawler, but... Almost like Nuclear Throne, almost, where you're going around, you're killing uh, the vegetables and the fruit and what have you, and trying to really stop this alien invasion that's animated all the fruit in this 1980s, let's just call it Miami. <laughs> okay. Uh, while you're driving your DeLorean around and listening to some kind of uh, generic uh, rock uh, loops. But overall, the combat's pretty good. Uh, Biggest complaints on this one is just some of the attacks kind of blend in. As you shoot things, they're obviously going to bleed, and there's a, actually a lot of impact to most of the weapons. But whenever you shoot, particularly the limits was my biggest complaint. Is uh, and not just yeah me uh, picking on the game for hey lemons aren't a vegetable. Uh, whenever you shoot a lemon, it obviously is going to spray lemon juice everywhere. Well, its main attack is also, you know, leaving a puddle of of lemon juice, which is acidic to you, and it's going to hurt you. And you can actually see it on uh, one of the screenshots. The bright lemon juice 
is uh, dangerous to you and is going to hurt you. The dull lemon juice is not. And it's very hard to see which is which whenever you're trying to run around and kill everything. It's one of those things that you do eventually uh, acquire the uh, muscle memory for and be able to get past. But I did take a few hits to that. But overall, I really enjoyed this. The oh, and yeah, the other thing is that it does it does the kind of the roguelite thing where it doesn't really tell you what the hell is going on with your weapons. So there was one time uh, it was actually in the uh, video I did on this where I had I think it was an MP4, or it was a machine gun of some sort, and a Tommy gun, both in the store, both about the same price, but there's no stats on these guns, and there's no uh, uh just kind of a weapon log to be able to tell you, okay, well, this gun does this, this gun does this. So I can't really tell the difference between the two guns or if there's a difference between the two guns, but they're a different price, which indicates that there is some sort of difference between the two guns. But yeah, that's kind of just how things go with the roguelites. And maybe I'm just more used to things like uh, enter the dungeon where there's this entire story behind every single gun and every single enemy. Yeah, yeah. But overall, uh, pretty good. Uh, all the enemies are very bright, and it's very easy to see what enemy is of what. Yeah, uh, and each enemy type has its own different attack pattern. You know, the uh, peas are just going to randomly wander around. Broccoli's going to try to uh, just run at you. It's very zombie-like. Uh, leeks will uh, drop down to the ground and then pop up behind you and try to surprise you. Uh, onions cry and spray out a bunch of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It has a very good sense of humor, and it's local co-op, at least for now. Oh, and the developer contacted me on my video and uh, said that they were going to do online co-op. Nice. It's kind of weird to... Uh, it's still in the uh, area where it's weird for a developer to drop by one of my videos. <laughs> yeah, it probably and, takes a while for that to become not weird. And even give me praise on my uh, video, which is also very weird. Usually whenever they show up, it's, you fucked up. Yeah. You don't. Or please stop talking about our game. <laughs> or can you stop saying the word fuck? Actually, I haven't had that one yet. Anyway, not a lot to talk about with the walking vegetables, just because it is a twin stick uh, roguelite, but uh, it's a pretty good one. And it's a cheaper one as well. So if you want to slay some vegetables, well, there you go. I would love to slice some vegetables. Yeah, if you really hate vegetables, this is your game. <laughs> With a little bit of produce uh, uh, on the side, you know? A little bit of fruit. Well, fruit and chilies. There, there was also uh, some rotten potatoes that were uh, sh- uh, shooting bazookas. Yo, potato guns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Oh, okay. There's just something about the enemy variety. It, you know, once you sit and look at it and see, like, I get that joke <laughs> that I really like about this game. Let's see the, uh, I'm a little upset that the peas didn't have, you know, little pea shooters, but the blueberries <laughs> had, uh, guns, which I'm not sure what that joke is. Oh. And uh, the further you go in the game, there's, more and more uh, enemies uh, that it throws at you at once and more variety unlocks as well. So, yeah, uh, I was able to get into... Well, each campaign is three parts. I was able to uh, pretty regularly get into part two uh, for the video. 
which probably says something about the difficulty of the game. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, maybe I'm just uh, decent at uh, twin-stick shooters. Oh, and uh, the first boss is either a alien that's carrying a coconut and sprays a bunch of coconut uh, of milk everywhere, or Brock Lath, which is this giant broccoli that chases you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah, I would really suggest picking this one up. It's a it's a fun one. So, uh, Friday stream night game, World of Warships, in, something indeed, something World you could jump in with as well. It has been a while since we played World of Warships. Have we played World of Warships since we started doing the podcast? I don't we think used to so. play it a lot for Kerbalcast MP back in the day. Yeah, and I got frustrated with it because it uh, started throwing up a bunch of bugs. And, well, you know, well, it didn't happen to me, but it started bugging out for uh, Be Cool. Yeah, when we initially started, um, it crashed on him like two times, I think. But... We decided to try it again, and we never hit that map again, so he's convinced that like, it has something to do with that map for some reason. Like, that it was map. causing this game to crash. Yeah, that map. But after we did that, I mean, we played for like three hours, maybe a little bit longer, and didn't have any more issues, Like at least in terms of like performance-wise. Um, it's, it's a good game, though. I've actually played it some on my own this week, too, a little bit, like trying out the new ships from the new nations that they've added. Yeah, yeah which I imagine is probably a pain in the ass to try to get that matchmaking. It is. It really is. I mean, maybe it would be better if I was playing like during peak hours, but just like randomly playing at like either early in the morning or late at night on weeknights um, is, yeah, I was waiting like three or four minutes to get a match with the tier one ships and I wanted to play with them. But I mean, I have enough free XP to skip past them to the tier th- two and three when games start happening a lot faster. But I actually wanted to try them out. But, I mean, I was waiting like four, three, four minutes to get a game. And even then, it might only be like three on three or four on four. And it was the same people every time. And let me guess. Uh, they were really good? Yeah. No. I mean, I was probably one of the best people in that group that I was playing with. Oh, wow. They suck. I'm actually pretty decent, pretty decent at World of Warships. I tend to I play destroyers, which are Bonsai? Uh, if you don't if you don't know, very fast, agile, smaller ships that are meant to scout and do kind of like sneak attacks. Um, but compared to all the other ship classes, they're my favorite, and I'm I'm pretty decent. I I had like a clutch moment where I won a game. Like it was. It, we got down to one on four and I was playing the tier two German destroyer that literally the first match I'd played it with. Uh, and it has torpedoes that can launch like they can't launch directly forward, but you only have to aim out about like, I don't know, 20 degrees at a minimum to start shooting them. So you can fire them relatively forward. And so I was, it makes it a lot easier to serpentine driving towards ships and shoot torpedoes at them. Mm-hmm. So that was fun, but it was, it was a four on one situation uh, the score was relatively close if you took away the the kills, because whenever you kill an enemy, you get points, and the opposing team loses points. And if they had just, like, ignored me, they would have won. But I went to go start capturing B, and it was... I think the map was Islands, which B is, like, surrounded by islands and has, like, a little choke, choke points to go in. Mm-hmm. And I dumped a smoke screen and then just started shooting torpedoes at all the choke points. I killed a cruiser right off the bat. Like, 
I hit him with six torpedoes and blew him up. And then there were three destroyers left, and two of them had been damaged from previous fighting. And I just got into, like, this three-on-one destroyer battle. And somehow I managed to kill two of the three destroyers, which evened up the the score. And I managed to capture the point B before they came in and went after me. And because I just stayed in B, they couldn't capture it back. And I won the, <laughs> I won the fucking game. And I was like, why am I not recording this? This is probably the best I've ever played this game. Everyone was like, oh, my God, he won. What the – like, this is – because everyone in the chat was like, well, we're doomed. And I was like – like, I, I tapped back. I was like, guys, don't. I got this. I, was, I didn't say that. I was like, just wish wish me luck, guys. I wish I'd have been like, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> but, like, it was just – it was intense. It was good. Really good, like, you know, close-range combat with low-level ships is really fun. Yeah, I tend to like to play either a battleship or a cruiser, but the thing is that everybody likes to play the battleships. Yeah. And it's not as fun whenever, you know, it's all battleships because, you know, then it's, yeah, people punching each other from across the map. Yeah. I, uh, I want to, uh, aircraft carriers and destroyers were the two things that I played the most, but I didn't want to jump back into aircraft carriers for yeah, stream night. Yeah, I did a little bit of aircraft carriers, uh, just, co- uh, the co-op mode to get a feel for him. And it's essentially a very simplified uh, RTS at that point. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, but you're having to move your aircraft carrier around and uh, hide it from the enemies, but uh, you're also kind of encouraged to get close to the enemies because that cuts down the reload time on your bombers. And you're usually up against... uh, Well, you're always matched make against at least one other aircraft carrier. Usually uh, it's two on two though for the aircraft carriers. Well, they, they've changed the matchmaking now oh, they did? so that, yeah, so that um, it's at higher tiers. It's just one V one aircraft carriers. Like I, I just did a little bit of looking into this and they've guaranteed it now where you get matched against the same tier aircraft carrier. Oh, because that, used to, you yeah, have... that was getting frustrating with me was I would always get out tiered with the aircraft carriers and they, in in this game, tiers are very, very important. There's a very slow progression on going through the tiers, and there's a massive power increase on some of them from, like, tier 6 to tier 7. Uh, I'm not sure if it's that massive on that particular tier, but some of them do have a massive power increase. Where, yeah, the tier f- the, where the aircraft carrier may have better aircraft or may have more squadrons or that sort of thing. And trying to go up a tier or against a higher tier is very difficult. It's not undoable, but it's uh, far more difficult than you would think. Yeah, the way that it breaks down is it's tier 1 are like your your starter training ships, and they don't get matched against anything else except tier 1. Uh, and then you have tiers 2 to 4, 5 to 7, and 8 to 10 that are in like the groups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you when you go outside of the group, like if you're a tier 4 and you get matched up against a tier 5, if you're you're in trouble unless you're really good and or they're really bad just because there's some pretty big differences because basically that's the jumps uh from world war one and pre-world war two basically it's pre-world war two era and then world war two and then post war or like late world war two that's that's how how it breaks down and just the massive increases in, in technology and firepower and all that sort of all that stuff so, it's I mean, as far as free to play games go, it's a pretty good one. They int- they've introduced loot crates since the last time that we've played. Yeah, but 
you can earn up to three a day, uh, which have various things. Like you can pick different crates, which there's like one that's like you get more money, one that you get more flags, which are like little modifiers that give you either better rewards or something like that. Or makes it harder for you to just uh, explode whenever your ammo magazine gets hit. Yeah. Then there's one that gives you consumables, like a higher chance for consumables. And then there's one that has like a higher chance for rare items. But if you don't get a rare item, then you get less rewards. Yeah. And you can just choose those like whenever you get the crate. So that's pretty nice. As far as I can tell, like they roll over from day to day if you don't open them. So I don't know if there's an upper limit, but like I know, like I forgot to open my crates and I played it over the like two or three days and I had like seven crates that I could open when I was like, oh, I should probably open those crates. They've added a shit ton of uh, like single, well, not single player, but um, co-op, co-op stuff and missions uh, that can give you bonus rewards. There's like a hundred and something missions now that you can go through and it's called a campaign, but it's all just multiplayer. Like do this in multiplayer, do that, you know, kill X number of things or win X number of rounds. And then you get a reward. Yeah. And some are actually pretty simple, you know, just uh, win a match, even though for stream night that for the beginning of that, that was kind of tough because we were still getting used to things. Yeah. Then we got into our groove and we started doing a lot better. Like even if we lost, we were, it was still a lot closer. Yeah. I, I was actually starting to do really well with the battleship. <laughs> Yeah, we should do that. It's it's definitely going to be one that stays in the rotation. Yeah, I don't I don't know how often we'll play it because the biggest problem with it for that is it's you can only do three person groups, and for stream night it was just me and you and Cube, and so that worked out great. But I mean, if we had you know any more than that, then you have to start splitting up and trying to find matches together. And unlike Crossout, which does this well, like you can just stay in, you can't just stay in the same group. Yeah, in warships because even if you don't go back to port, um, it just throws you back into the general matchmaking queue. It doesn't keep your group together. Yeah, which I have been pl- uh, still playing Crossout, mostly playing the market out on it right now because it's still able to generate a fair amount of money, and I'm trying to tear up. There you go. Yeah, I got to I got to tier three on uh, France and Germany. And uh, Great Britain. Yeah, that yeah, that's probably my biggest problem with uh, just how World of Warships is, is how slow it is to progress once you get past the very first tiers. It's very slow, and it usually causes you to go through at least one upgrade, if not two. And sometimes they're absolutely worthless, or they're a severe downgrade. Like, one of them... I can't remember which ship it is. It uh, changes the ship into pretty much a a full anti-air gun or anti-air battery with a few guns, which would be great if, you know, like, let's say me and you were uh, going out for a a spin and I was going to play escort for you. Right. Wink. Oh, you wouldn't play escort. You'd be my escort. Oh, my. But, uh... If you're just in the general matchmaking, it's a very bad thing because there's no guarantee that you'll have an aircraft carrier. And if you don't have an aircraft carrier, you've cut your guns over in half. Yeah. Because it's, you know, anti-air batteries all over the place. And yeah. E- and even uh, playing escort, it's not that great because usually 
the aircraft carrier could sub- but could keep itself uh, pretty well defended against other aircraft. Yeah, definitely at the lower tiers. When you start getting, because I've got a, a tier six aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and at that level, it, the the planes start getting a lot more HP and can do a lot more damage comparatively. Uh, yeah, but this so is if a, you've got I think a good it's a tier five ship. So yeah, well, if you've got a good carrier, like an, a good enemy carrier pilot, you would be in trouble without an escort. But I mean, those are few and far between in my experience. Typically, the really good ones are already up in the top tiers. So, yeah, and there's uh, also going back to previous tiers is a pain in the ass because you only have so many ships. Yeah, I've got a lot, but I spent like this is the one free to play game that I spent a bunch of money on. I probably spent 60 bucks on World of Warships back in the day. I felt bad for spending 10 bucks. Well, not felt bad, but felt like I spent a lot when I spent 10 bucks in Crossout. I think I have 16 port slots or harbor slots. So I have a lot of ships. Like that's not a problem for me. But in general, you get four. I think it was four. Well, they've also added uh, more whenever they add a new faction. So if right, if I so, didn't care about the British ships, I could just sell the British ship. Right. So let's see. There's the U.S., Japan. I want to say I have a, a, a German, fair amount as well, just because you know I think they gave some for hitting certain uh, milestones whenever you were. At leveling up originally, and they changed yeah. that completely. They changed the level up system completely. And also, there was like if you won, because they they used to do a bunch of giveaways when the game first came out. Yeah, and if you got one of the giveaway ships, like they all came with a port slot. So, I mean, if you didn't like the ship but you won the port slot, well, there you go. Because they gave away some shitty ships and some good ones. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good though. I don't know what the prices are on things. I've still got uh, like 650 doubloons, and yeah, I mostly just yeah the, the premium currency is doubloons. Yeah, which and I, sounds so weird with uh, with just I've realized doubloons in naval uh, combat is fine, but uh, with World War Two ships, yeah, I'm I at this point just use the doubloons to create free XP, uh, which you I use to retrain the captains for free. Like, you can spend that now to retrain captains since they've changed that system. Because used to, it was, you had to spend the doubloons or the, the like, gold or silver or whatever it is. That's like, the mm-hmm. the normal currency, air quotes. Yeah, the uh, um, the general currency that you get millions and millions of, but uh, the doubloons, it's just a handful of. Which is kind yeah. of an interesting psychological trick, huh? Yeah. I think I have 17 million silver and 650 doubloons or something like that. But it, it does do that thing when you get to the top tier too that you lose money unless you're just like winning amazingly every match and not taking any damage. You lose money. So there's a, a good, there's a good, uh, which I think there's is a sweet good spot that, uh, to play in the tiers, which uh, does keep the uh, very skilled players down in the general matchmaking. Yeah, I, um, sometimes that can be frustrating, but it does mean that if you're in that sweet spot of like, it's like tier five to seven in that range, um, where that you can make money to support your like top end stuff. There's you can get games like immediately in that range, which even I mean we were playing tier three most of the time uh, when we did stream night, and we didn't have any issues getting games quickly. Yeah, 
the only time we had trouble is when we all were like, let's do, let's try the new tier one ships. And we waited for like three minutes and we didn't get a game. And we were like, screw this. We want to play, not stare at the, the matchmaking screen. So it's, it's a good game. And I'm glad that they fixed a lot of the, well, at least seemingly fixed some of the performance issues that they had and some of their bugs. Um, I like the things they've added to the game. Like, I don't have a problem with, like, the free-to-play stuff as long as it's a free-to-play game. So I'm okay with yeah. them having crates and all that jazz because, you know, I'm not paying anything to play. Well, I have because I really like the game and I spent a shitload of money on it, but I'm good. I'm in a good sweet spot. If I wanted to, I could spend, like, free XP and all of my silver to buy up into, like, Tier 5 on both the the British and the French ships. But I'm not doing that because I actually want to play them. So, yeah. What's, ir- yeah what's irritating is whenever you uh, spend twenty or spend sixty bucks to buy a game, and then oh, now you have loot crates. Yep. Here's microtransactions in your sixty dollar game. Fuck you. Warner way, Brothers. When I when I was like dancing around it earlier, that's the topic I put on the list. Like, I'm seriously considering never buying another game that, but like right out the gate has microtransactions and other free to bullshit. Or at least the AAA, because once you get into more of the indie stuff, depending on how they handle it, like Rocket League, I don't have that big a problem with it. Because mostly it's generating stuff for their esports side. And uh, they still do all their uh, additional content for free. Right. I mean, I don't have as big a problem with it. I mean, it's still irritating. But it's nowhere near as bad as you know, Warner Brothers putting in uh, the uh, loot boxes. Or how Call of Duty, uh, their big thing for the pre-order is getting a bunch of <laughs> their premium currency. Yeah, Forza 7 was the one that did it for me. But uh, Forza I mean, 7, that, that was unlocking uh, essentially mutators and uh, cheat codes, wasn't it? But I mean, they literally took stuff that has been like a staple of the series before, like a risk reward, like, hey, you can increase your difficulty and remove driver aids to get more money to buy cars and get more experience to level all of your stuff up faster. And like, they took that away, and now you get those things from loot boxes. Didn't they uh, backpedal on that a little bit? Nope. Oh, they hadn't? I I saw something about them changing the... VIP system, but I wasn't sure what it was. I don't know enough about Forza to understand it. Nope. They did not. That is still there. I mean, Forza 7 basically has... It appears like it's been built from the ground up like a free-to-play game that they're charging $60 for. Oh, no, it's Evolve. There was was a Reddit post from uh, a game developer. Like, you know, he put his credentials in. He's like, yeah, I've worked on this many free-to-play games, and... Forza 7 is basically a free-to-play game. And, like, he listed all these things that he's seen. It's like, we do this in mobile games to encourage people to spend money, you know, on on our uh, premium currency and on our loot boxes and all that jazz. And he's like, all of these things are in Forza 7. Yeah, I'm starting to think that the mobile market is uh, a cancer on gaming because it's encouraged so many practices that we're seeing in AAA games. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of AAA games... <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking of games. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not sure of AAA, I, but, you know. Games. Is, that it? is that it for Warships? I, I think we... so. Uh, it's definitely going to stay in the rotation, but uh, we we really need to figure out the rotation. 
maybe set it yeah. up where you know it's like you know two or three weeks of a single game because it's uh, moving uh, from game to game very quickly may be a bit of a detriment. I'm considering doing like a month of a game or like three weeks out of the month is a game. And then we have like the more odd stuff like Homeworld. Homeworld is really odd. Only a few of us have it. And I'm the only one that's like really good at it. Yeah, I mean, I have but it, but I don't have that muscle memory of the uh, Space 4X. So it's but, um, completely out of my element. Yeah, so I really enjoy playing that. But it's really only good as a one-off every once in a while. And I'd like to play, you know, games back-to-back. But the way I set it up was like a different game every week. But, you know, this is an evolving thing as we go. So well, hopefully I, we're not I, playing Evolve. <laughs> I like the idea of playing a single game, though, like several weeks in a row. Because that was nice for Crossout. We played it, what, two or three? It was two weeks. Yeah, back yeah we back. were set up for a third, but you had to miss. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think I'm going to do that. Like, maybe going into October. October will be... I mean, October could be Warships Month, and we do like three well, weeks. Well, we do have Rocket League as well on the list. Yeah, but Rocket League could move to November. And then that would give some of the other games that I know that people bought that were a part of that list that I put up, I, you know, we'd get a chance to play them more. So that's a good idea. I hadn't actually thought of that. I might have come up with that idea on my own later, but I'm going to take your idea and use it as a springboard for my idea, which is to take your idea and use that. So there we go. I'll, I need to update the list. I was going to last week, but I just didn't get a chance. So I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow night, I've got a work night planned for like this sort of stuff. I need to do some rendering. and Oh, in I'll, other words, we're going to sit around and chatter around uh, while you do rendering? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, oh anyway, so yeah, let's. I'll, I'll deal with that tomorrow night. Let's move on to my games list then. Um, well, we're already in your games list. That's true. We did share World of Warships, but the games that are exclusively mine. <laughs> oh, you're, you think I can't say anything about X3 then? <laughs> the first game on my list is X3 Albion Prelude, which is, uh, I think we've talked about this on the yeah, show single once player upon Eve. a time. Yeah, basically single player Eve. It's a very, very large universe with a lot of freedom to do things the way you want. Um, it does have a story mode, which I've played this game and Terran Conflict, which is like the base game, and Albion Prelude is an expansion. Um, but I mean, I, I've played the game probably combined over the years, 250 hours. I've never once done a single story mission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this type of game is, yes, you can go into the story, but it's more just about dicking around. Yeah. Well, so what I'm doing this time compared to previous times is before I've always just gone for the trader start and have worked on automating like a tr- like a, a merchant fleet as fast as possible, and I just do that, and then I just like build up stuff and build up stuff until I get bored and stop playing. So this time I've decided to dig into the the systems a lot more, the meat of the game a lot more, instead of relying on so much automation. And I mean, you do have to automate a lot of things at the point where I'm in the game. I've got three space stations, I've got twenty five ships, give or take. But it's been a lot more enjoyable because instead of just rushing to get, you know, 10 uh, merchant ships that do stuff on their own, like they're, they're called uh, galaxy traders or universe traders. And I mean, you just set them loose and they try, you know, they just buy low and sell high. 
they buy their own escorts and fighter drones and stuff to protect themselves. Like, as long as you give them a good ship and enough shields, you never have to worry about them ever again. And they just make you money. And you can break the game by using too many of those. Yeah, that sounds like essentially the company manager in Euro Truck Simulator 2. Give them a decent enough truck, uh, get a decent enough driver, or send them up to just level up. And eventually they'll get to the point where they're making so much money that you don't have to worry about any fines or anything. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of toys to play with in this game, so it's nice to have infinite money. But there are so many in-depth systems that you can set up and do and work with to earn money in other ways and do things in other ways. So I'm like my goal list has been basically, uh, or, or my goal this time is to really explore the station management system in the game, the space stations, and then really dig into the economy that way. Um, and basically, I'm going to try and drive NPC stations out of business because you can do that like it's got a a system they call it the god engine it stands for something but basically it spawns and removes big things in the game based on your actions so you know if you completely ignore the trading aspect of the game and just go straight up combat then it'll keep lots of npc stations and things in system and it'll just basically manage the economy in the background so that you can outfit your ships and you know, have missions generated for you to go do stuff. But if you do what I'm doing and you go the trade and economy route, you can basically take over systems economies. And then those stations, like you can run them out of business. You can undercut all of the NPC stations. And then eventually it's like they go out of business. The game despawns them. And now you control the economy. And there are certain things that can't be removed, like shipyards and all of the like uh, military stations and that trading attitude. posts. And then there's certain equipment things that can't be removed, but you basically can control the entire economy for the for the game. And so the system where you start at, if you play for play with almost all of the starts, is co- uh, it's called the Argon Federation. Um, and my goal is to basically control the entire Argon economy before I move on. And I've given myself like certain like imposed limits, like I can only have three universe traders which provide between the three of them like a million credits an hour, which is sustainable. That provides good growth and allows me to make mistakes with the station system um, because I did accidentally create some things that like nobody bought or that, you know, at my point in the game, I can't. Oh, you create and evolve. Yeah. (laughs) But I've also got a set of like mining ships set up and are automatically mining and and funding things that way. There's just, there's so much, there's so much you can manually create trade routes, which I do sometimes, um, to ensure that your stations are constantly being refilled with like energy and base materials that I can't produce yet. But you can also do a lot of automation with those, like just stick a certain number of ships at a station and like assign them roles. Like, okay, you sell things and you buy things for the station and your sector defense. It's it's so good. It like hits all of my buttons. Hits all oh of my, my Eve Online addiction buttons. Without and the fifteen bucks for, uh, per month. Without the fifteen bucks per month. There's a lot of mods for it too, but I haven't even begun to dig into the mods because I wanted to play at least for a while without mods to get a feel for the game again, and then maybe go in and look at the mods. But there's also X Four is going to supposed to be coming out in the next year. 
because X Rebirth was, you know, it was unnumbered. So the next like, uh, for a good reason. Yeah, the next full blown X game that was supposed to be coming out, I think, in twenty quarter two of twenty eighteen. Yeah, well, let's just call um, it quarter three to uh, get any minor delays. Yeah, but so I'll be looking forward to that. I do have to ask you this question: Is that after playing the uh, the X series, does going to any other RPG and seeing the static economy system feel very outdated? <laughs> yes, it's that's so terrible. That, that, I, that's I something I wish uh, uh, other. Well, it doesn't have to be you know full blown uh, supply and demand and uh, uh, everything behind the scenes, but I do wish uh, uh, RPGs paid attention to economies. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, it's so good. So good. I love it. Also, I'm avoiding using the stock exchange cuz that basically broke the economy as well. Cuz you can once you unlock the stock exchange and can go use it, you can like just generate money overnight because you can f- fast forward time. Um like that's just like part of the thing that's built in the game like in the lore. Yeah, the time warp. <laughs> Or, yeah, what, time or whatever they call it in a game. I mean, it's a time warp. Yeah, but you can crank that up to, like, its Do- maximum setting and then just sit there and, like, buy the cheapest stock and then just watch it until it goes super high and then sell it. And, you know, it might be, like, 20 hours, but you've accelerated time so much that you only sat there for a few minutes. I just had a thought, and I'm going to have to share this. Do you think Kerbals come, up, uh, come from the X uh, universe because they have the time warp ability? <laughs> they probably do. They probably do. Do you think we can find Kerbin in one of the X games? <laughs> Maybe so. And, and buy all the snacks. There's got to be a mod for it at the very least. I wonder yeah. if there would be a uh, Kerbin mod. Uh, because there uh, is pretty much every sci-fi game uh, or every sci-fi series imaginable. Yeah. I'll, well, that has a I mean, decent number of spaceships, I guess I should say. Yeah. There's a, there's still a, a current active modding community for this game, and it came out... Well, this expansion came out in 2011. There's still, as far as I know, current active modding communities for X2 and then X3 Terran Conflict, which was the like the base X3. Yeah, I, I know... I Well, I have everything except X Rebirth, because I got the X uh, Gold Box when it went on sale at one point. Yeah. And, that just had, you know, all the X games. Or, or sorry, the X Super Box at some point. So I really do need to go back into the X series at some point. Where would you suggest? I would suge- I would imagine one of the X3 games. Yeah, either Terran Conflict or Albion Prelude. Uh, X3 Reunion is, is in between Terran Conflict and Pre- Albion Prelude. And Albion Prelude has all of the Reunion content in it, so... Well, I would um, imagine that eventually, after building up, I would uh, want to do the story. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if people I- say if you've never played the game before, do the story. But, like, even when I played Tan Conflict for the first time, like, I don't know, a decade ago, um, I didn't do the story. Because <laughs> I was just like, ooh, even back then, I was like, ooh, I want to do trading and make a kajillion dollars. I used to I used to um like fly out to the middle of remote space where that no pirates would scan me mm-hmm. and then I would hit the 
the time acceleration and then go to sleep and let it run <laughs> all night and then wake up and have in- basically infinite money and then go spend it all on a single carrier and then repeat the, that night and then like buy, you know, a hundred fighters for my carrier <laughs> and then just fly around and start uh, sorry, sorry, wars. I just, I just noticed on the screen, uh, on the screenshots for Terran conflict, they have perhaps FPS uh, counters on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they are low. <laughs> yeah, this game runs really well. I mean, because it's so old. Yeah. It, I can get an easy 60 even on my laptop. I have to turn the graphic settings down a little bit. But honestly, it's it's gorgeous, even on lower settings. Because they went with a very nice, very sleek space aesthetic. Um, and didn't try and make it too like gritty or realistic. Everything's very bright, very very pretty. Um, there's a lot of really nice, beautiful, like nebula effects, the lasers. Yeah, but and... that's all skybox stuff. Yeah, it is all skybox stuff, but it's nice. It's, it, it's graphics and art style have held up really well over the last eight to 10 years, depending on which, you know, which version of the game you're playing. But Hey, X3, sc- uh, Abraham Prelude is suggested by Scott Manley. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a good game, and it's not it's not very expensive. You can buy the X three Terran War Pack, which has got uh, X three and yeah, they, Terran, and then the expansion for twenty bucks. Like, and it's been on sale like for way less than that. The older X games are good, but they're old. So it mostly the issues come in with just design or not design, uh, like interface choices mm-hmm. and things like that. Just you know. The game design has evolved over the years. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'd imagine as X four comes out, uh, the X three uh, war pack or gold box. Uh, it looks like the gold box just has reunion as well, while the war pack has Abraham Prelude and Terran Conflict. So, I'd imagine reunion probably is more uh, story based, or, uh, or or maybe something uh, goes on uh, that differentiates the two enough. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine these two are those that will go on sale. But even just yeah, you know, the base game itself is only ten bucks. That's not much. Yeah, and Terran Conflict is great. Basically, what Albion Preludes adds is a lot of fixes to the economy, um, which I think Terran Conflict received later on. Uh, and then Albion Prelude has a lot more ships in it, a lot more variations of the ships. Um, it adds a new storyline, and it adds the stock exchange. I would imagine that there's probably mods that uh, fixes a lot of the loopholes in the economy as well. Yeah, there's a shitload of mods. That's probably something that uh, you would probably be interested in trying out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good game. A lot of stuff to do. Speaking of things you wanted to try out. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of things I want to try out. That's a good segue (laughs) that I just ruined. Uh, Tracks, the train set game. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on the show a couple of yeah, times. Th- yeah, this was uh, in one of our discovery queues. Yeah, this is just a, a very simple uh, wooden toy train uh, simulator game simulator where that you just have a, a, a toy box to play with. Yeah, it's um, a sandbox, isn't it? Uh, well, a, yeah. well, a toy, uh, a train sandbox. Yeah, it's it's a toy box. Um. You can, you know, build it any size layout you want, as far as I can tell. I mean, there might be some limit 
that I haven't reached yet. Well, it's just uh, the limit is when your computer bursts into flames. Yeah. But, I mean, you can build basically any size town you want. There's lots of cute little decorations like trees and shrubs and fountains and things like that. Um, they've got a few little wacky things. Like there's a speed booster that you can set up that will make your train go faster. And there's like these little corkscrew um Elevation change. Yeah, elevation change. Um, You can put in little stations that will generate passengers if you want to, you know, move passengers from one station to another. It's just very simple. Yeah, but it's all sandbox, so, you know, you don't have to worry about any business management, right? Yeah. No, there's there's none of that. (laughs) Um, But it's just... It's really simple. It's really cute. It runs really well. It looks surprisingly good, actually. I was... very surprised at how much detail um, and how shiny everything was. Um, it does have like a, a, a little mode where that you can uh, transport passengers and it like it encourages you to build and try new things. It's like, hey, over here, find these passengers and you have to change your elevation a whole lot to get to them or maybe they're like under the couch or something. <laughs> so you have to like look for them and it's like, oh, build a little tunnel under the couch. So... It's got this weird thing where that you have to buy stuff. Like, you have to purchase... I don't understand. You get, like, 400 coins to start, and that allows you to purchase, like, half of the train set. And then, as you play, like, every few minutes, it's like, oh, here's 100 coins, and then you can go buy a couple more things on the train set. And it's like, here's 100 coins. I don't understand. It takes about... I don't know, 20 minutes, and you have everything unlocked. Maybe it's and meant to uh, prevent you from just being overwhelmed by all the stuff. That might be it. That's the only thing that I've been able to come up with. Um, but, I mean, it, it was fine. My, I mean, I, I wouldn't enjoy playing this for long periods of time. Unless. Uh, just because, <laughs> except for the fact that I have a three-year-old whose favorite thing in the whole world is trains. And so we have sat in here at my computer with his he with his little train whistle and his hat on. Next time we do it, I should take a picture actually. Um, and he'll every time we step at the station, he'll blow the whistle, choo choo, and he helps me build the tracks and we drive around. It's it's a blast to play with him. I mean, we've played like I don't know three or four hours since I I bought this the other day. Uh, what was it like Thursday? I think when you sent me yeah. the link that yeah, they had like a special. Yeah, there was a special on Chrono GG that I saw. Yeah, so it's it's great. It's it's good fun. It's a good time with my kid. And I mean, so far, no bugs, no issues, no weird anything. Yeah, Just, it is an early access game. I imagine what they'll add is probably more trained uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it could use like some bridges and some other things like that that. I feel like are really basic, but you know, maybe it was difficult for them to do. Didn't they put this together as part of like a game jam or something? I'm actually not sure what the story is behind this. Okay. It's just one of those things I saw. I think I originally saw it on key mail. I was like, Oh, that looks cute. I know Jared's going to love this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. Can't yeah. wait to keep playing. Yeah, I actually discover head. a lot more games on there, but it's also, uh, going through everything that's coming out on Steam. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, Really, the only other thing that I guess I didn't mention is that whenever you drive your train, like, you drive it from the cab. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you you can start the train, and then you can go back to just, like, the overview. 
um, and watch your train drive around on its own. But it, it's fun to drive from the cab. Yeah. I'm driving a wooden train, motherfucker. Choo-choo. Yeah, I'd imagine that if you are the type to just sit and build a, a train set, you could spend a lot of time adding little details. It's the same idea, I guess, with Parkitect, where you see people uh, putting in all the little hidden things you know, to create a very realistic uh, theme park. It's the same for this. Well, yeah. as realistic as you get with a wooden train. Yeah. Also, it makes like a really nice rhythmic clicking sound mm-hmm. as your train drives and plays like really soft classical music. <laughs> what? No, no power metal for the train? <laughs> nope. Have to provide your own soundtrack. You can do uh, some silly stuff see. too, they, like they, make jumps. They they did say that they uh, would prefer a more structured experience, and will like to hear from uh, what uh, people would want for uh, objectives or challenges uh, for when they face uh, that environment. So, uh, it looks like they do want to make it a more gamey game, uh, but for now, it's a sandbox. Um, read the yeah. early access stuff. Yeah, they've got they've got two maps. One is like or two. I don't know. Two sandboxes. One of them, one of them is just completely empty and bare. It's just like this kind of sepia tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I see, and, yeah, I see that in the screenshots. And the other one is an actual living room with, uh, kind of living room. Yeah, it's a very very minimalist living room. There's like a couch and a TV stand, and uh, does look like, like they want to put in more environments though as well. Yeah, I'd like to see some more like just different home environments. I think that would be cute. And a lot more stuff, like a lot more train pieces and variety of track, just more cosmetic stuff, really, that would make the the track feel a lot, a lot more like the tracks that I build with with my kid, like in the real world, because we have, God, I don't know, eight different sets of wooden train stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a way to do that without making a giant mess in the living room. But I would like to see like more tree, more more trees, and more like little station things. I just had a thought: more buildings. The ability, what? the ability to paint. The ability to paint would be awesome. Um, I'm not sure how that they could implement that without just doing a bunch of work, because you're going to start running into, I think, copyright issues. Well, well, we'll just have it where the train has uh, the ability to uh, apply custom textures to it, and you uh, just dump. Uh, yeah, the uh, paint on various parts of it. Yeah, or even like a few very basic, like this green train, blue train, red train, because mm-hmm. the wood color is boring. Yeah. Or maybe have it where there's different types of wood. You can sort of do that by adjusting the graphics options. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's like there's basically different levels of sheen that you can put on the train. Wait, and, who's sheen? You know, you know sheen. Oh. Wink. But, uh, yeah, there's basically different levels of sheen that goes onto the train the higher you bump the graphics. So it looks a lot darker if you turn the graphics down. So, in other words, uh, they add extra layers of shellac. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, not a, maybe not a lot darker, but it's noticeably darker. So, I, Another thing they could do to make it a little bit more gamey is to just like add more things that you can do, like... All you can do is pick up and drop off passengers, but maybe if you could, like, pick up cargo. And... Yeah, some sort of freight. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, just, like, a coal hopper or something. You know, that would that would add to it. Go get pretzels from the kitchen. It has, it has a, I think they're gonna do that. It has a freight station, 
but you can't there's no freight cars that you can get for your train and you Yet. can't do anything at the station. So yeah. It's fun though and it's cute and it's exactly what I wanted it to be. Just something that I can do with my kid. Another game I can play with him. Um moving back to space though <laughs> from wooden trains, Unending Galaxy. This is a game I got from Keymailer and we, you know, just had this very long conversation about Albion or the X series. This is basically top-down 2D X series. Um, it's a lot of this, a lot of the same stuff. Jump, go from sector to sector, build a fleet. You can build space stations. Um, it's got some more sort of 4X strategy elements to it. You have um, an empire economy to manage, and you can colonize planets and things like that. But the gist of it is top-down X, X-series. So, um, It definitely needs some UI improvements. It, everything is fiddly. Everything either takes way too many clicks or is like way too context-sensitive. Um, and it's really difficult to close menus once you open them. Like, that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, that's but, very weird. <laughs> but if you open a menu for something, like, there's no way to close it. Like, you know, you can't click an X to close the menu. How the hell do you yeah. miss that design? You have to scroll through, like, to the point where it's, like, leave menu. And then you click to leave the menu. And then it, like, shrinks. And it's still there, so you can click on it and open it back up. And the only way to completely close it once you've left the menu and shrunk it is you have to click on something else, which then switches to that thing's menu. But it's in the top corner, like, completely minimized instead of just, like, being smaller. It's That's weird and stupid and super fiddly. Yeah. But the general gameplay is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, it's a lot. I guess it's also a lot more combat-focused than the X series is. I mean, the X series does have combat, but you can't be, even though it says, like, be a traitor, you can't really be a traitor um, because there's just not enough tools to be able to very quickly and efficiently, like, check on prices at places and buy and sell and all of that. It's, you definitely want to automate that stuff, but it's an interesting mix of real-time strategy and 4X strategy. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't know how much longer I'm gonna gonna play it. I've played it for like a couple of hours. Um, the, I guess the best thing about it is if you want to play a four X strategy game, but you have a really shitty computer, have I got a game for you? Because this game, yes, it's called X two. Yeah, <laughs> X two D. It it is it it runs at sixty fps on my render machine, which is basically a piece of shit that just chugs away for hours at a time to render videos and things like it's i think let's see this thing's running on a pentium pentium 2 pentium 3 like really really old hardware huh, how about that i runs, didn't know uh lays made computer chips <laughs> but uh it runs it runs at 60 fps on that so I mean, basically, if you want a 4X, but you have really shitty hardware, this is the game for you. In other words, if you have North of Toaster. Yeah. it's And it's only 10 bucks too. It's not very expensive. And it's not early It's not early access, but it is actively receiving development. Like, they had a really big update uh, August 29th. So, about a month, a little over a month ago, that changed a lot of stuff. Um. 
So, it's all right. It's all right. It's not as good as the X series, but not very many things are. It's definitely better than that E or than that Eve offline that I talked about <laughs> last week. Astrox, whatever. This is better than that. So, it's got that going for it, which is nice. Well, it looks like you may have another one that's not very good. Uh, yeah, the other game I played was Axel or Ax colon L. Uh, it's it's all right. It's not that bad. It's not that great. It was on sale last week or two weeks ago. I bought it for like two ninety nine, and it's a good two ninety nine game. Uh, it's a sci fi, um, flight combat game. Like you're not flying in space. You're on a planet, but the like the thing of this game is you have ships that can or not ships you have planes that can transform um and that you can design so there's like a couple of basic ones that you can't really make any modifications to except for like weapons loadout um but once you go through the campaign and you earn some money you can buy custom parts to build a, a custom aircraft that can basically morph um and have different modes that can go into like all of them can go underwater. Yeah, I was about to say like, um th- this looks like a submarine. <laughs> they they all have sub modes, but I mean you can build wildly different designs. Like you can go play with all the stuff even if you don't have any money and like test it out and try different builds. Um but like you can make a super tanky, very slow almost like gunship or you can make a very fast agile fighter you can go in between in between you can make like a transforming thing that has like essentially like s foils like x-wings do in in star wars like wings that spread or expand or collapse or make like a bubble shield around wings like that there's actually quite a bit of variety um it controls really well. I got a, I, I was just itching to use my joystick. Uh, and even though I got it out for the X series, I spent so much time in the menus and using autopilot that I almost never, never <laughs> used my joystick. So I was like, I really want to play a, f- a flight game. I want I want to use it. And I saw this on sale and it's been on my wish list for a long time. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it. And it, it was decent. You know, if I'd paid like 10 bucks for it, I'd be disappointed and probably would have refunded it. But for two ninety nine, it's a good little slice of, um, arcade flight action it does have a multiplayer mode that has a very small community but i mean i i tried it and i was killed immediately repeatedly because not only did they have better stuff than me but they also have been playing this game i assume for years and are really good like they're the diehard fans so i'll probably never touch that you you got killed by a maverick yeah it's it's got a i think it's 15 missions for the the story like the story campaign mm-hmm. and then it's got um like a horde based mode like an endless horde mode and then there's a few other single player modes like it'll throw you into a random map and give you random objectives to complete so just like a quick mission mode it's got a patrol mode which takes you over very large procedurally generated maps and you just have to kill enemies um it's got a free flight mode. It's got, you know, a bunch of stuff. It's like yeah, there's a lot of people st- complaining about the controls being a little wonky. I, it might be if you're trying to use a controller or a keyboard and mouse, but it was perfectly fine on a flight stick. Um, it, 
it did the it does this weird thing. I can't seem to use words. It does this weird thing where that whenever you make a control like a change to your controls, though, you have to quit the game and restart it before it takes effect. I was really confused because, like, I set up my flight stick how I usually do, and I was like, nothing is working right. What is going on? And I, like, quit the game, and I was like, I wonder if it's, like, you have to restart. That's so stupid. That would be really stupid, but I wonder if that's it. See, I'm going to try that before I just refund it for being broken. And then everything worked properly. Well, not many people have flight sticks or joysticks these days. It's all gone to really controllers, so it having odd controller support uh, based on the reviews is definitely one reason why this game has to take it off. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it also is a game that runs really well. I mean, it, it looks pretty bad. The, if yeah, you're graphics, yeah, this looks like PlayStation, late PlayStation 1 era. Yeah, late PlayStation 1, early P- PlayStation 2 era. Um, it's not great. The, the planes aren't that great. The environment's not that great. The other things that show up aren't that great. So really it's, you know, do you, you've really got to buy into the customization aspect, you know, build your own fighter plane. Try to build uh, a Gundam or a Transformer yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know if you could do a Gundam, but Transformer seems doable. You could kind of fake it. Now the question is Voltron. <laughs> oh. For some reason, when you said that, my brain went, Wonder Twin Powers Unite, even though they're not the yeah. same. Yeah, that's, just that, my that's brain not even close. Reason. They're not, no, that's not even apples and oranges. This is like, I don't know, apples and bulldogs. What? But that's just, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, just like my brain didn't make any sense. So yeah. Oh, so Axel, working uh, like normal then. Pretty much. So yeah, Axel, I mean... If you are jonesing for a, a, a fun arcadey flight game and it's only like a dollar or two, it's worth it. But I wouldn't recommend it at its full retail price of $12.99. I, I don't think I'd even recommend it for five bucks. Uh, so the, not bad, so the just five not bucks. good. Yeah. Yeah. Sub five, sub five dollars. Basically, uh, if it's more expensive than the coffee drink that I just uh, didn't really care for? No. Yeah. Probably shouldn't. And that is all the games that I played. And Jesus, we went yeah. for a long time. Yeah, don't have to worry about uh, uh, coming up short this week. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to take a break before we move on to our next topic? Well, I don't think it's really going to matter anyway, because I don't really have a lot to say on this one. This is going to be all you. So do you need a break? <laughs> uh, I think I'm good for this one. Okay. Might need to take a break after this one, but I'm, I'm, I'm good for this one. So we'll move on to our first news topic for the week, which is behind the addictive psychology and seductive art of loot boxes. So... I mean, we've been talking about it a lot the last few weeks. Well, for obvious um, reasons, uh, the AAA gaming industry has gone absolutely batshit with uh, loot boxes and card packs and everything else. Yeah, and and people have started referring to loot crates as basically just a form of gambling. And I've seen some arguments on one side or the other, like, no, it's not gambling because of I don't reasons that don't yeah, make the, sense. Yeah, the to- only. A uh, thing I've seen people uh, try to explain that it's not gambling is that you 
it doesn't have a monetary value, which is bullshit because, well, at least most of the stuff on Steam has the Steam Marketplace. Right. So, yes, it's still locked into the Steam store, but saying that the Steam wallet doesn't have a monetary value is bullshit. Right. Right. And plus, there's ways to get the money out of that just going through, uh, well, gray market areas. Uh, Grand, you know, then you're just risking getting scammed. But, you know, if you're really wanting to get. Uh, that $5,000 you got from uh, selling that golden frying pan TF2, well, there you go. Yeah, and loot boxes also follow a lot of the same um, precedents and principles that have been set by slot machines. In general, they're, you know, they do some, like, they make a really nice sounding noise, and they're very, very shiny, and they have, like, a flashy presentation. But most of the time, you get nothing, like, super great. Yeah, well, they're um, a Skinner box. They are. They are absolutely a Skinner box, which I guess we'll get to the article. PC Gamer, uh, specifically Alex Wilt- Wiltshire? Witcher? Yeah, p- please have this person uh, show up more often because they've had some decent articles. Yeah, we went and, well, you specifically went and looked at his post history, and it looks like that the, what, six or seven articles that he've done, he's done. Yeah, at least a couple of them are really good. He did the. Are really good. Really well researched. This one in particular, um, I saw this one and I was honestly expecting like, okay, you were going to ask me a whole bunch of questions because it's like some poppy bullshit. Yeah, especially when it's coming from PC Gamer. Yeah, Halfway doesn't make a sense article. So I went and I looked at it and nope, all of this information is correct. It's a lot of layman's terms, which is fine. Most people, you know, don't have a master's degree in any psychology related field and like seven years of experience so we're experience and training so you know most people aren't going to understand a lot of the a lot of the things on like the upper end and i said i could gussy it up but i mean basically i'm just gonna walk through the article and uh hit the points that he hits and if he really missed anything which i don't think he did i read through this article twice just to double check um and there were a couple of things that i think might not be a hundred percent correct but it's just like dates and things. Yeah, like close he enough. went to the Wikipedia page and I'm like, well, that's not a hundred percent right, but I'm not gonna split hairs on that one because it's you know, he's got the idea right. So um he opens up the article with a very brief history of loot boxes uh and where they came from, and then moves into the psychology bit. Um the first thing that he <clears throat> hits on uh is that the way that they work, it's a it's a skinner box that uses what's known as variable rate reinforcement, which basically means um, you give a reward for an action, but it's not consistent. So classical conditioning, the the example is, is Pavlov's dog. You ring a bell, the dog salivates, he gets food. That happens every time. Uh, this is known as operant conditioning, where that you don't link it to something that is consistent. And so you train based purely on the reward. Uh, Skinner did this with rats and pigeons with food. Uh, He trained them how to hit a button to get food. And then he made it so that every time, like it would be like every third time or every fifth time they would get food and they would develop these rituals and these interesting things to, to try and get the food because they didn't understand that 
even though it was a fixed rate, they didn't understand that it was, you know, every whatever time. So doing that really feeds into our addiction because we want to, we don't know if it's going to be every, every fifth time, every 10th time, every hundredth time, but we want to get that reward. We want to get that, uh, psychological food that loot boxes give because one thing that he didn't hit on, which this goes a little bit, oh, wait, yes, he did. He did right here. Never mind. Dopamine. Uh, dopamine is basically the, the feel good, feel good endorphin in our brain. Um, every time you do something nice, you get a little hit of dopamine that makes you feel good. Every time you win something, every time you see something that makes you smile, makes you happy. Every time you have a nice conversation with a friend, you get a little shot of dopamine in your brain. And that is basically your body's biological way of reinforcing, Hey, you should do good things because it helps you feel good. It helps you lit survive. It helps you build, you know, good connections with your fellow human being and basically just keeps us going. Gambling and addiction in general taps into that, the dopamine centers in our brain and we get a hit of dopamine from doing, doing a thing and gambling rewards that by both one, every once in a while you win something plus the action of doing it is reinforced because like I said before, slot machines and things like that have sparkly lights and they've done tons and tons of testing to find like the right specific tones that for most people is like a happy tone that triggers a little shot of dopamine that reinforces that action. Yeah. It's so insidious, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It is. It's, I mean, using our own biological imperatives against us because, you know, this is just an evolutionary feature of, of most animals and, you know, humans are an animal. We're a higher order animal, but we're still an animal that, that, animals have that's you know this keeps us alive this helps us thrive as a species and we're turning that against us and or you know the the developers of these things or the designers of these things based on whichever market you want to go to are using that to keep us you know trapped or keep us in the cycle where we want to give them money because it feels good to do the thing or get the thing that the money gives us um and so with loot boxes it's that reward it, it, to some extent, it's, you know, when you open the Hearthstone pack and there's the bright explosion and um, you mouse over and it's like, oh, this one turned purple. I got an epic or a legendary or whatever. And then you flip it over. Is. It's the one that you have uh, all the ones you can have of it. And it's like, fuck. Well, maybe the next yeah. pack will have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's your brain. Like you got your shot of dopamine and you didn't get quite the reward that you wanted, but it still felt good to have the experience. Yeah, and so I want to do it again. And I know the pack has this uh, many chances to have it, and I—it's uh, not that expensive. Yeah. So, on a, on a biological and a psychological level, that's how loot boxes work. And he takes three, four paragraphs to say all of that stuff that i just said um yeah but to be fair if you wrote all that out uh probably was a fair amount anyway so yeah um, but it was also different giving different examples as well you know t- uh, talking uh talking specifically in that moment it could be uh, getting cards i've been uh, looking for that uh for 10 or 20 packs uh, the, intip- the anticipation has always been a key point in games so yeah yeah and there's there's different ways to design these you know loot boxes to to have different motives. For example, Hearthstone has got and and games that follow this model like 
at least in the beginning, Overwatch, now that you, that you can buy the packs as opposed to just receiving them as rewards, is turning that against against the players. But re- it's a great way to incentivize people to keep playing a game. Um, you know, the Hearthstone packs, you get one every every few games regardless. Yeah, of- it's based on uh, your overall level, which is pretty consistent if, uh, if everything I've heard is correct. And you usually yeah. you get a certain amount of experience based on how you do. So, it, good players get the uh, packs or the cards or well, the boxes a lot quicker than a crappy player, but they'll still get them every few games. Yeah, you still get you know a a couple every play session for for Overwatch, and then usually you can open two or three packs uh, per day playing Hearthstone. If you don't play very much, you can usually get at least a pack a day. And so that's a good little incentive to keep co- people coming back to play your game. Like, oh, I can, you know, enjoy it, and then I get this little reward. You get that hit of dopamine. But then, you know, whenever you set that up for people to to spend ludicrous amounts of money on things, which for Hearthstone is not too bad. <laughs> Unless it's um, the new expansion just came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but for Hearth, you know, Hearthstone's pretty, pretty consistent with its rewards, and every reward, you know, you're gar- always guaranteed a rare, which is nice. And they have systems where you can turn, um, you know, all of the shit that you get back into something eventually. So yeah, they it, also as far added, as it uh, with Hearthstone with the latest expansion that you get a legendary in your first ten, and if you don't have a legendary or if you have a legendary, you can't get that again in your card packs until uh, you have all the legendaries. Yeah. Which was a huge problem with Hearthstone because there's the Hearthstone's one of those games where certain cards are very overpowered in the meta, and they take the approach of if everyone's overpowered, no one's overpowered, unless you just don't have the card, then you just right. throw down fifty bucks to get the cards because everybody could afford you know a, a new expansion just came out. I'll give them a hundred bucks to get all the cards in uh, one evening. Right. So another thing this article mentioned is something that I like briefly mentioned when I was talking about uh, the Skinner box and training animals, how that they would do like rituals. Like, for example, whenever they were training birds, um, some of them would do like little dances every time before they push the button, because one time like they did a little dance before they pushed the button and a food pellet came out. So they associated, oh, if I do the dance, I'm definitely going to get food. And they would make the dances more and more complicated as they went because they thought, oh, I have to make my dance better to get the food. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it's just me to me, but I'm thinking of a boogie. I saw a couple of his Magic the Gathering unboxings uh, and some of the things he did. Oh, yeah. But granted, that's well, also playing up to the camera, but still. That's true, but I was going to say, like, you know, he mentions, you know, that... Um, Blizzard was talking to people and they started to get sort of superstitious about their cards in, in the article. If you go watch one of those big pack openings, probably at least more than half the time, they'll have a little ritual that they do every time before they open a card pack. They'll swirl it in a circle or they'll shake it across the screen or they'll only open it like in the top right hand corner. That's a little psychological tick. One time they did that and they got a legendary. And even if they don't realize it, subconsciously their brain is making that connection, and so they start doing that. I've seen some pretty wild little like pack dances, if if you will, uh, during like the big pack opening videos when they'll you know buy like three hundred dollars worth of packs or whatever. 
and open them all so that they get all the cards. And they'll just get into this rhythm of doing that every time. So that's that is fascinating. And you can you can use that to as as a company, like to your advantage to convince people that, oh man, it just like if I just did th- this one thing one more time, I'll get, you know, the best gun or whatever. For example, like the boxes a lot of times that will have the you know, like a scroll thing at the bottom and you can see all the rewards. Yeah, the slot machine. If Even they- though Whenever you first open the box, that determines uh, the loot. It you still have the uh, slot machine showing. Oh well, you just missed. Yeah, well, especially if they program it on purpose, like to where that it just sort of hangs over one of the better rewards before it ticks over to one of the more common ones. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get a good one, then that's a psychological trick. Like, oh, I was almost there. Maybe if I had like push like let it spin for a little bit longer before I push the button, or push the button a little bit, quicker. or if I opened the when box really, earlier. Right, when really, like you said, as soon as you open the box, it determines what your reward is, and that spin has nothing to do with it. But it's a psychological trick that they use to make you think, oh, I almost had it. Yeah, and also, I don't think a lot of people realize that all these openings are individual events. They're not right. They're not associated with one another. Think of it as the spin of the roulette wheel. The Probably the most insidious things that... Uh, the casinos have done was the previous spins on the roulette wheel, even though yep. those previous spins have nothing to do with the next spin, unless there's something yeah. mechanically wrong with the roulette wheel. And if there is that roulette wheel will not be spanning. Nope. Yeah. That's, I mean, following the law of averages and, you know, like surely like, you know, like you get a 1% drop rate on something on average, you're going to, you know, for every hundred crates that you open, you're going to get one of those things. But, you know, they're all, like you said, they're all separate events. So just because you've opened 99 crates doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get a thing on the next open. It's just, you know, if you do enough of them, you'll see a pattern like, okay, every, you know, roughly 1% of the time you got this thing. And that's something that throws people off on a lot of things. Like, people think every time you flip a coin, like, Coin flips don't go precisely 50% because it has to do with... The weight and also how you flip the coin. Right. But, you know, people tend to think like, oh, if I've gotten three heads in a row, then surely, you know, I'm going to get a tails. But that's not true. They're all separate events. Well, it also depends on, you know, if you're trying to get the girl. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just remember that one part from Bioshock Infinite. (laughs) <laughs> right. But if you flip a coin a thousand times, you're going to get roughly 50% heads and roughly 50% tails within a couple of points, which is within what's known as standard deviation, which um, just allows for like a slight amount of error uh, that is statistically insignificant. All that, all that shit was terrible. I hated my <laughs> research methods class, but... It was. It's been the best thing to help me like critically understand research articles and things that you see, and almost immediately I can spot bad research. Like, uh, you're using a, a wrong standard deviation there. You've got you know you don't have enough control, or you're using a too small a sample size, or something like that. But, anyways, that's or probably the one I always uh, well I could notice is trying to associate two completely independent things. You know, people that eat breakfast. Uh, uh, you know, do something else. Well, it also depends on the type of person, you know? 
Yeah, correlation doesn't always equal causation. Sometimes it does. A lot of times it doesn't. You can have two completely random things that are actually correlate better than two similar things. Like the example that was used in my class, this example has stuck with me for years at this point, like four or five years when I took my first research class, was um, trying to figure out the relation between uh, birth rates and families who own toasters in a, some in a, a South American country. And birth rates were lower for families who owned toasters. And that's because the families who own toasters have enough money that they can afford birth control and proper medical care to get an abortion if they want one. Whereas the poor people that don't own toasters don't have access to any of that stuff. So they have a higher birth rate because no birth control, no condoms, no medical, uh, no abortions or anything like that. And it's just like everyone in class was blown away by the connection. And my professor was like, my professor was like, you know, you would never think that toasters relate to birth rates, but stuff like that can relate. So interesting stuff. There's a, I should find a pretty decent looking like research course online and it forced put it me in to read show it. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> it. It really helps. It really changes your, I mean, it, really changes your view when it comes to like reading the news and seeing like all these statistics and studies that places put up. And it's not even just like in the recent times of like, Oh, all this is fake news. Like you can go back and look at older news articles, like generally pretty factual, factually good news articles, but the research that they used because they didn't understand or they didn't know is not good research. And it invalidates the whole, the whole thing. So good i should find a course and then put it up for you guys who have never never d- learned any of that stuff to to read there's got to be a few good ones out there oh, i imagine so so yeah that's i mean that's this article through and through um do you have any questions anything that i didn't explain well you think that i should go back and try and do again uh, or really the I mean, I definitely understand why loot crates are so popular because it's a money generator and uh, the the budget for games is climbing, but it's not the development budget. It's the marketing budgets. Yeah. And that's one thing I think a lot of people aren't realizing is that these loot crates aren't paying for the development costs. The development costs have actually gone down on games because there's a lot more assets out there that are pre... well. Uh, pre-made essentially you know you don't have to code your engines anymore you could uh, go get use unity or go use the unreal engine for examples and you could uh, use pre-made assets and uh, tweak them instead of going through the entire animation process for example but the marketing budget is still there and it's getting higher and higher and higher to the point that that is the meat of the budget anymore and that's where these loot crates are so tempting because they are essentially free money right right and i mean most on average well i don't know if this is true or not anecdotally the evidence i have of people that i know and play games with like on average they will buy a loot crate or a loot box because just one day they're like, you know what? I want a thing and I'm too tired to grind it out. Or, you know, I just don't feel like it, not, these aren't the words that they use, but basically they're saying, I don't feel like fighting this psychological <laughs> battle today. 
Yeah, let's see. I, I bought a pack of uh, uh, of keys for Rocket League, but that was more, you know, I like this game, I'll toss them five bucks. And cross out, I tossed them ten because I liked the game. It wasn't trying to... I actually got past the point in cross out where it would have skipped me too. <laughs> so it wasn't even right. that. It was just really skipping a bit of grind to really kick off uh, going through the marketplace. But it didn't skip that much. It was more just I was enjoying this. Right. So maybe that's the psychological trick for me. I don't know. Get me to enjoy the game. I'll toss you a few bucks. I mean, I do the same thing. If I enjoy a game and play it for long enough, I'll spend money on it just to support development because I like the game. I don't necessarily care about whatever the rewards are. There's been a couple. I mean, World of Warships, I've spent a lot of money on. I spent quite a bit of money on Warframe. But I mean, you know, those are games that I've clocked yeah, in uh, same with over War- 100 yeah, hours Warframe is another one that I've spent some money on, but that was that's probably the biggest psychological trick for me was they gave me a pretty sizable discount on the currency and I was already enjoying the game. Yeah. See, I've played Warframe for 168 hours and I don't have a counter on Warships because it's not on Steam, but... Yeah. I mean, I would guess it's probably pretty... It's pretty close to 100 hours, if not over. Yeah, Cross Out for me is at 86 hours right now. I haven't played that much since the uh, Game Club discussion just because... I had other things to work on. Had to get Dark Cloud uh, up and running. Warframe. Is, oh, well, Warframe isn't installed, so I would have to go to my Steam profile to see that. That's an, an annoying thing. I installed Warframe because I needed some drive space, and it takes it off my library. But even uh, Team Fortress Two was a uh, uh, probably the one that I was trying to get a couple of rewards, but. Even that wasn't much. I think that was sub uh, either sub ten or right at ten as well. Ten seems to be the limit, right? But I also yeah, bought I the game. Well, I bought the game is probably a bad choice of words there. I got it as in the orange box, but I have over a thousand hours in Team Fortress Two. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a limit. If I like a game, I'll keep spending money on it. Well, I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So, I did you have any questions? We kind of start talking about something uh, else. Not really. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what uh, what game have you seen that has the most fair loot box system? I guess it would be the best one. <sighs> most fair loot box system. Um, uh, you. It's a pretty close tie in my mind. I think between. Hearthstone, at least the Hearthstone that I'm familiar with. I haven't played Hearthstone in like a year, so they might have changed that system some. But Hearthstone or, uh, honestly, World of Warships, um, you can weight the odds in your favor. I don't know how much it is, but you can weight the odds in your favor for towards certain rewards. They give you a decent amount for free, and I don't feel like they beat beat you over the head trying to get you to buy them. They're just there. Well, I really like crossouts just because it, uh, you could spend the in-game uh, resources oh, uh, to yeah, respin. You... Right, uh, for that's up true. To three I... times. Uh, Faria is essentially uh, Hearthstones, but if uh, the card is of a certain rarity, uh, the rare or higher, you're able to re-roll that. Uh, that's a freebie, uh, a single re-roll. But the cards are also you need more of. 
you could have up to three copies, so uh, that's more important. But it also has the Hearthstone system where you could break down uh, duplicates into dust or whatever uh, to craft the card, so. Uh, I absolutely, well, I shouldn't say hate because I did buy into it, but I, I dislike the systems where you have to pay for keys and you get the, uh, the loot uh, drops. And you have to, yeah. because that just tends to, you know, clog up your inventory after a while. My, my, my Team Fortress 2 inventory looks like the end of an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, where they're <laughs> <laughs> walking through the giant warehouse. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have uh, the uh, the uh, Lost Ark somewhere in my inventory. <laughs> yeah, the only thing about the keys, like, as long as you can do something with the the box, um, like what was what was the one of the games I played last week? The like the drifting mobile car game. Mm-hmm. Like it, even if you have uh, run out of the keys that you get, which, like I said last time or last week, it, like you. They generate over time, but even if you're out of keys, you can just take the box and sell it for, like, sell it, I'm making air quotes, sell it for just in-game currency, and then you don't have to worry about, like, leaving it in your inventory. Yeah, Team Fortress 2, I could go through my inventory and sell all the boxes for, you know, like, a couple cents each, and probably come out with uh, several bucks, but that also requires people to buy some of these old boxes that have absolute crap in them. Right. Because, you know, uh, Team Fortress 2 did the series thing where, you know, uh, boxes uh, one through so many had these guns in them and these uh, cosmetics, but those cosmetics have dropped for so long that they're worthless. So you're just trying to get the uh, epic or legendary or whatever shiny hat with all the particle effects coming off of it. And uh, it's kind of the, it's that insidious thing where the, uh, the hats are so shiny and has all the particle effects and it hits that dopamine thing that you're talking about. Yep. They they get you. Yeah, they're gonna get you. Gonna get you. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh, I think uh, we pretty much uh, ran that topic in the ground. Awesome. So now into the elevator before we go bash on Nintendo. Indeed, I need to go make myself a quick cup of hot tea. My throat's a little <laughs> scratchy after that. Yeah, because I did say that was going to be your article. It was. It was. That's probably the longest amount of time that I've just talked by myself or mostly by myself. <laughs> going from my games to that, that article. Yeah, maybe I should have had a uh, topic in between those. You know, give your throat a rest, if you know what I mean. <laughs> nah, it's fine. All right. Let's take a quick break and then come right back. All right. All right. Uh, race into the elevator. <laughs> I'm I'm not running, although you are crippled, so. Yeah, but I'll just strip be... you with my cane. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. That would work. Hey, who says I have to play fair? And we're going to talk about the Nintendo Creators Program banning YouTube live streaming. Oh, Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. (laughs) Go forth, Rage, and be angry. If this were literally any other company, the internet would have torn them asunder. But because Nintendo is 
pretty much every gamer's childhood. I, I think that's pretty fair to say, unless you're, I would say, of the Xbox generation. Then, yeah, if you were born in the eighties, the seventies, eighties, or nineties, yeah, seventies might be too early, but definitely eighties and nineties. Nintendo was your childhood. Yeah, I would say seventies would definitely be Atari. But yeah, because Nintendo is everyone's childhood, they get this free pass to be shit. Yes, yes, I'm coming out and saying Nintendo is shit. I agree. <laughs> At least when they do stuff like this. <laughs> well. It's not just this. They could also box nostalgia and resell it over and over and over and over and over again. But let's talk about the creators program. You know, this particular brand of shit that they're doing. The creators program, if you don't know, it was their way to counteract all the YouTube, uh, well, all the uh, YouTube uh, player, let's players, all the uh, reviewers and the Twitch streamers. Uh, was it in 2016 or uh, I can't remember the exact year and I'm looking on here and it's not saying when the creators program started, but essentially in order to really do anything with Nintendo stuff online, if you don't want to get flagged by Nintendo and have them take all your ad revenue, you have to join up with Nintendo's creators program and then you get some of your revenue. <laughs> Yeah, don't they take like 30 or 40% of the revenue after YouTube gets their cut? Yeah, yeah, you get a very, very small piece of the pot. Matter of fact, that's exactly the <laughs> the justification that a lot of people had against paid mods back in the day. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. But anyway, they've decided that they don't want streamers. Uh or at least the YouTube live streaming. They 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 seem to be on Twitch, at least for now. But this really shows that Nintendo doesn't really understand internet culture. Maybe Nintendo doesn't know that Twitch exists. <laughs> Maybe, but they are happy to start striking <laughs> down content there. So I wouldn't go so far to say that. Yeah. Uh, it's just so frustrating to see Nintendo be shitty. Because, yo, that was my entry to video gaming, was the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes, I am that old. Oh, mine was too. Yeah, but it was uh, current when I started playing it. That's true. It was not current. It's just something that my dad had that I remember playing when <laughs> I was a kid. And then we got a Super Nintendo. And that was really like where my gaming started. Yeah, and there's really not a lot to say about this other than just Nintendo's shit on this. And I, I think this really comes down to at least some of the Japanese companies. Uh, others are starting to catch on that the internet is a thing and it's not your enemy. That Nintendo views gamers as wallets and that's it. They don't see the culture that they've created. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, you. I agree with you a hundred percent on this aspect. I, I, I'm waiting for the day when Nintendo doesn't get a free pass anymore, because I mean, obviously, like my kid is not going to grow up uh, as a Nintendo fanboy gamer, uh, as a Nintendo fanboy. He's going to be a little PC gamer. He's going to be a member of the PC Master Race at an early age. But um, you know, kids born in 
the early 2000s, um, you know, kind of the tail end of the millennial generation, are not going to have grown up on all of the Nintendo stuff because they weren't the only game around when they would have started playing. The Xbox 360, PS3, you know, that's going to be where these kids had their childhoods. I mean, we're seeing some of the ramifications of that now with, like, these massive online, I don't know, flame wars or whatever between the Xbox fanboys and the PlayStation fanboys. But, I mean, at the very least, Nintendo's not going to get that pass anymore from all of from that generation of gamers. Yeah, true. From generations on, unless they really uh, win some hearts and minds in the next few years. Yeah, I, I think Nintendo doesn't realize, and there's a few people that don't realize, just looking through the comments, uh, seeing... Uh, Someone say, smart decision. Uh, all the hard work uh, uh, shouldn't be abused by jackasses to make a buck. They're advertisers. I mean, that's what Let's Players are, are advertisers. They allow you to uh, yeah. see what the game is like because there's really no way to see an in-depth demo anymore without a bunch of marketing bullshit. Yeah. At the very end of the article, the... Uh, let's see, Max Moeller, the, the writer of the article, says it's an understandable decision from a business perspective. But it's not really, not anymore. If if businesses had this knee-jerk reaction a few years ago when live streaming first started to take off, I mean, I would disagree, but I would say, you know, this is unknown territory. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to protect their brand. Like, I feel like you could make a few better arguments. But at this point in time, like at this stage in the game, it just is... It's just ass backwards because Nintendo doesn't understand the internet. Well, maybe they don't want to, you know, have the in-depth story of Mario out there on the internet. You know, will uh, Princess Peach be uh, kidnapped again? <laughs> will they? Will they finally have sex? Who? Who is Princess Peach's real lover? Is it Mario, Luigi, or could it be Bowser, the King of the Koopas? Find out next week on Mario Jumpman Mario. <laughs> And then they spend the whole app episode trying to raise their their coin levels. Yeah, uh, going around that uh, damn <laughs> wheel in uh, the Mario RPG. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get there. Oh, sorry, Mario. The princess is in another castle. Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's, well, 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 we've already determined Mario isn't human. He's just a hat anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if he gets to bang Princess Peach or not, because, yeah, that's not Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just some poor sap that the hat's taking control of. <laughs> Does explain the limited vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Scrambled his brains. <laughs> oh. we, we've gone to a very dark place now. We've gone well, to a very well, silly place. There, there is other one other thing that's impurity about this is that there's literally no other choice you have but to deal, but to do the deal with the devil with Mar with well with well with the house of Mario, because if you want to make any money off of uh, Nintendo products, uh, yeah, you have to do this, and Nintendo's shown themselves to be very fickle. And that's one of the reasons why whenever I was choosing what to do for my first emulation series, I struck anything Nintendo off the list. I mean, graded some of the third-party stuff I could have probably gotten away with, but, you know, I wanted that nickel. I didn't want to share with Nintendo. 
<laughs> because it's a shiny nickel. It's very shiny. It's a brand new nickel. It's made out of zinc. And it tastes funny. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I don't I don't have anything else to say about it, do you? Uh not really outside of fuck Nintendo. All right. Well, next on our topics list, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is hit with negative reviews following in-game ads in China. Oh, uh, another week with a bad story about PUBG. Yeah. Or would it be Plunk G or I don't know. Uh it- it's kind of funny just how de- many negative stories we have about this game, yet it still is selling hand over fist. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's a snowball that's rolling downhill at this point. Can't really stop it. Tide comes in, tide goes out. Can't explain it. Um, basically, Moon, so what, what's happened? So what's happened is that the Chinese connections or the Chinese gamers have poor connections. Um, they have server lag and have really long uh, queue times. And in order to try and avoid that, they're joining European and North American servers, which is dragging the connection speed down and causing issues for all of those as well. So Bluehole, um, it says they're using a VPN accelerator service, which I've never heard of a VPN accelerator service before, but I uh, assume Probably that just that... a preferred VPN. Or, or, okay. or a VPN that has a very narrow uh, approval because there is the Great Firewall of China. That, no, no, that I'm not joking about that. No, I know. Yeah, no, I know. I've had actually a very long conversation with a couple of Chinese girls about that. The the same ones oh that were the exchange students that live with my in-laws. Like, just They're like amazed. Like, you have so many things on your internet over here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's because we have the internet, not the Chinese, like, restricted internet. And, and then, then then you pointed them to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I imagine that a VPN accelerator, probably in this case, is a VPN that has just the allowed uh, servers for uh, player announced battle counts or, yeah, probably a few other game services, but that's it. That's uh, that's what I imagine this is, because there's not a lot of information about what exactly they're they're selling, just the fact that there's ads in the game. And I've talked about before, I'm shocked that we haven't seen more games with ads in them, but there's also the acceptance of it. Yeah, seeing a billboard with an actual ad on it, more acceptable than seeing a Add for a thing to fix your game on the main menu. And you're very quiet. Yes. <laughs> and I'm trying to find what the hell a VPN <laughs> accelerator is. It goes vroom. It's, Google is not being very happy for, or not being very helpful for once. Well, you're just going to have to bing it. <laughs> yeah, but don't get use Yahoo because you'll get your account stolen. Or did you see that news coming out? I did not. Here we go. A VPN accelerator transfers computational operations of VPN networks and decodes them with one or more dedicated processor. This accelerator reduces server processes workload factor of general purpose applications. So it does go for him. So I guess it's just taking the workload off of their servers, I guess, which would improve matchmaking, I guess. 
It's it's a thing that goes faster. Yeah. It goes firm. <laughs> this is very unhelpful. I apologize for wasting everyone's time. Moving on. Oh, uh, are you talking about this uh, topic, uh, the VPN accelerator, or the podcast itself? Um. Yes. <laughs> oh no! In I, I can definitely understand me. why people are pissed about this, though, especially uh, when it comes to the situation in China with uh, Chinese publishers, because they have a law that requires publisher for, for a game to be allowed in China to have a publisher in China. And usually these publishers are just, you know, fronts. Right. And there's also cases where, you know, the Chinese version of the game is very, very far behind because they don't have really any incentive because they have a captive audience. Literally. Yeah. So, uh, it's very, uh, it's a very shitty situation uh, overall, and you know, it's just another week with a bad <laughs> story about players not battlegrounds. Oh, yeah. Go, to speak to like why we don't see ads in games more often, I laws. think that it's be uh, uh, what laws. It's probably uh, very tough to do uh, uh, very broadly without having a lot of legal loopholes. Yes, that that but the avenue i'm thinking of is just like cultural acceptance um which i think you said when i was looking up vpn accelerators but like to expand upon that thought um uh, games are something that we buy and bring home um, true. we don't well i mean classically there's something that it's like a product that we buy to have in our homes and there are very few things that have ads in them that we buy and bring to our homes even like the next closest medium would be movies um and you get trailers but that's the closest you get to an advertisement on movies and i mean we buy dvds and blu-rays even now and you don't see any advertisements outside of the the occasional uh, trailer pre-roll but Honestly, those are becoming less and less common because people just skip them. You don't see those anymore on. Well, I was going to. Well, I was going to say uh, infrequent. You see ads plenty on mobile gaming, but the first thing you do is uh, if you get a game or buy the version of it, is you lose the ads. Right. As soon as you purchase a thing, the ads go away. I think that's just like, at least for the time being, that's still culturally unacceptable. Well, but I, I, with. Well, I was going to say, there's a, a video I saw from Tom Scott. Yeah, I've been kind of benching on his videos because... I love well, Tom well, Scott. Well, He's so smart. Well, uh, my, uh, uh, the account I use for my YouTube channel, uh, for some reason, it's uh, decided, you like Tom Scott? Here, have all his videos recommended. It's like, thank you <laughs> for once the algorithm works. And he was talking about pl- product placement in uh, television... And why you don't see it in the UK. And it comes down to just uh, the fact that when the UK originally set up uh, their television uh, with the BBC, it was a government-funded service. And it was all paid through tax money. And as things progressed, the laws developed where there was a strict division between content and advertisement, even on on commercial TV stations to the point where whenever they have the 
uh, American Idol or whatever, yeah, uh, a version of it it is now, or you know, America's Got Talent, whatever. And they have the branded cups on the judges' uh, uh, stand. Uh, you know, obvious advertisement, obvious art placement. That has to be blurred out in the UK. And you can't have Hawaii Five-O's tr- uh, tr- uh, talking on and on and on about Subway sandwiches in the middle of the show, because that's a definite no-no. The worst product placement I've ever seen for a thing was in House of Cards in the first season. Uh, and Frank, like the main character, uh, is like, oh, is that a PSP you've got there? I've got a, a system at home I, I play sometimes. It's a PlayStation 3. And I'm like, oh, God. No, 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 no. The clip he used for Hawaii Five-0 is even worse than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, look, look up sometime Hawaii Five-0 Subway Sandwich. It's a guy sitting on the beach eating a Subway and talking about how great it is. <laughs> In the middle of the mm. show. <laughs> uh, but there's a strict division on uh, content and uh, your, and your commercial advertising in the UK. And that's what hit uh, some YouTubers and why the video was uh, developed in the first place. And I imagine that trying to get a place where a blanket system could work in a game outside of just mobile banner ads uh, would be very difficult. So maybe that's why we don't see it that often. As a matter of fact, the only time I could really think of it being in a game outside of just brand deals was uh, Burnout Paradise City had it for a while. But uh, that system's uh, long dead, as is the multiplayer for that game. Uh, and it, I think it's still advertising uh, old uh, Intel chips. <laughs> there you go. Buy an, buy an old Intel chip. Yeah. I, and burn yeah, it. I prefer mine ranch flavored. <laughs> Occasionally barbecue, but it really depends on the barbecue. Because you know, the, if it's a too sweet a barbecue, it doesn't go well with the sandwich. Definitely and you, and, sour cream and onion. And, and you have to have the Subway foot long for that. But of course, Jer- salt but of course Jared would know about Footlong. Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, are we done here? I think so. I think because so. we've rambled on, on next... well enough. Yeah, let's move on to our next news topic. The company that had its... I, sh- I should change that to say nearly. It's nearly 200 fake games removed from Steam is shutting down. I mean, that's pretty much the whole thing right there. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say nothing of value is lost, but there is the trading cards. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, I actually, be gone I actually noticed uh, the... Uh, I imagine I got a fair number of them either on giveaways or just my blanket uh, uh, review copy uh, signing up for things, and they would give them to everyone because I went, hang on, let me bring up the card list because I actually keep a log of trying to figure out, you know, the rate of, of drops uh, to the point where I can predict it within a day. <laughs> uh, I went from eligible 1,236 to 1,224. Oh, sad day. Such a big drop. Yeah. But, but I love, but there's the, you know, the drop of where those cards were removed. Yeah. I love the uh, statement from 
whoever. It just says spokesman for the company on the <laughs> article. But they state, people who are calling us asset flippers are correct only partially because we always made our own levels using the basic assets provided for us when we bought the asset kit and all of the kit had licenses, allowing us to use them in commercial purposes. It's like, you're only partially correct because we made some very basic things using these assets. I will say that using pre-made assets isn't a sin on itself. It's just how quickly they threw it together. And I don't believe yeah. that this company is gone. Because how this is the company that had half a dozen different sock puppet accounts. Do you think that they're really going to be gone? They were just caught. Yeah. They'll they'll be back. If they're not already still here yeah. and just and, like some yeah, accounts some that weren't the, caught. Yeah, some of the accounts that weren't caught or uh, or they're just laying low for a few weeks and then they're going to start up again because how uh, the fact that it hit me and I haven't bought any of these just card farm uh, packs. I would love to know how many games you lost eligible. <laughs> Granted, I don't think you keep track of it. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, keep the track The only of reason that. why I know that it hit me was that I keep track just to... I, I, it was uh, more of a pet project because I noticed I'm getting cards a lot more often than other people. I wonder how often I'm getting cards. And it kind of turned into that from there. And one of the things I kept track of was my number of eligible to see if there was any correlation as that number went up. Turns out there isn't. Which is kind of strange, actually. You would think that would uh, affect things, but no discernible difference. Maybe I should send you my number so you, you could uh, run through the <laughs> research course that you had. <laughs> should do some statistical analysis. Let me run a, a regression mean on that. Let's see what we get. Oh... Uh, uh, but at one point they were they were responsible for what was it ten percent of the games released in a month? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, Steam. Well, the only reason why I think they were uh, really punished was it because they were just throwing out shovelware, which I, I don't think is a crime of itself. It's just the amounts and the fact that they were doing it on multiple accounts to try to circumvent the fees that they had to pay. To maximize profits. It's kind of crazy just how uh, profitable the uh, training card farms are. Yeah. Very. Very profitable. Um, okay. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, I think so. We should have had this uh, uh, article uh, before the last one, but uh, oh well. I mean, uh, when's the last time you did things in a, a sensible order? Never. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, why you wear your underwear Superman style. Absolutely. So, in our sort of uh, pair, our yin and yang, we've talked about PUBG. Now let's talk about Fortnite. <laughs> Fortnite's Battle Royale game mode hits a million players on its first day. Yeah, th- that's just I, absurd, isn't it? Yeah, I downloaded it, and I intended to play it, but I didn't get around to it last week. Um, but... I mean, all of the publicity and press that they've gotten off of the back of this whole PUBG deal, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it is just absurd, the player numbers, but this is also that nomadic player base that we talked about over and over again. Yeah. It's, from what I've heard, because... 
then this week's co-optional, or I guess last week's yeah. co-optional, they talked about the differences in Fortnite and, and PUBG. And similar, but the games are a lot faster, and it's got a very simple like building system that allows you basically to erect like some cover or yeah they have a building build, system. like an elevated position yeah which makes the game apparently very different because it's like there's a whole risk reward thing like do i hunker down for a few minutes and you know basically tell everyone where i am but have a better position to survive or you know well, and the fact that they are just... giving it away or well I, I imagine that there's some sort of microtransaction in it which I, for this i have no problem with uh, the fact that it's a free version of it, yeah, it, it's it, for, Fortnite's in an interesting spot because, from what I understand, it's a lot more polished than Player Unknown's Battlegrounds uh, in performance, which is kind of crazy because Fortnite before this, everyone was talking about how convoluted it was, but it sounds like they've really polished the battle royale mode. Yeah, and then they got a bunch of free publicity. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I expect this to uh, stick around for a while unless they do something stupid. Yeah, well, I've thought about buying Fortnite, like the the single player PVE version. I, I guess I mean it, it can be multiplayer, mm-hmm. but it's the PVE version. I've thought about buying it, and I'm kind of going to use the battle royale mode as a, a little bit of a demo to determine yeah, whether or not probably, I want to spend forty bucks. Yeah, which is probably why they did it because uh, there's some ludicrously expensive stuff here. I'm looking at their buy page right now. They have a $150 version. Dang. Granted, uh, well, let's see the base version. I know at least one of these has uh, multiple versions. Uh, the uh, uh, the limited edition de- uh, includes two versions of it, or two copies of it. It's just... Whew. It's just crazy, huh? Yeah, well, the $150 edition comes with two other keys, so yeah. at least you get more than just a bunch of cosmetic stuff. Yeah, it looks like uh, going up to the Super Deluxe Edition, which is a $90 uh, copy over their $60 copy, uh, gives two copies of that as well. I, I wonder if they're going to cut the price of this eventually. Don't know. Probably at some point, or at least run like sales on it. I couldn't imagine they wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, it it just goes to show that yeah, the first company that does a really well polished uh, player, uh, well player in a uh, a battle royale, is going to make so much money. And Fortnite may have done it. Yeah, Fortnite be- maybe because it. hell. Uh, we we've seen so many half-assed, and I'm including player Nets battlegrounds in this, by the way. So many half-assed are just thrown together, either very unoptimized or barely functional battle royale games. Yet people bomb like crazy because they want that experience. If they could hit the mix of well playing, the combat is satisfying, but the matches aren't overly long because that's another problem I have with PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is that the matches just take so long. Possibly because it's just sheer map size or you know, maybe it's just the way the game mode uh, works in general. Then you know, it's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Watching the, uh, the the gameplay trailer for the Battle Royale mode. And, and- they put the trailer up at, at 60 frames a second. It's great. <laughs> 
And it does look like they have a fair amount of humor about it as well. Yeah, I like the art style. I've, I'm always a fan of like these sort of cartoony art styles. It they're more interesting than you're like, oh, my game's gritty and realistic. Yeah, and they and they hold they up do have better over uh, time. Loot boxes in this, which is a little irritating for a forty dollar game. Yeah. Or sorry, they show like packs. the. Uh, it's definitely not loot boxes. Yeah, and they show like the base building aspect really well in this trailer. It's like they really quickly like this guy just like throws a wall down for some cover and then chucks a grenade at the guy who's shooting at him and kills him. <laughs> like, are people like building a bridge to get across to somewhere? And they were saying on co-optional that there's like secrets on the maps that have like power weapons or like armor or health packs or whatever that you have to use the building, the crafting system to get to like build like a ladder to, you know, get up something. This is interesting. Uh, Why did Epic make only battle Royale free? When will the whole game be free? We still have a lot of features to add in before the PVE uh, campaign is complete. We will launch the save the world PVE campaign for free in 2018. So this is a huge uh, generator of uh, attention for him. Damn. I mean, if the whole game's going to be free, fuck it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I mean, just, this is, this is people buying play. And uh, there'll be... Uh, uh, the uh, th- That makes the pinata packs, loot box things uh, a lot more palatable if it's going to be a free game and that's how they're going to uh, uh, pay for it uh, uh, well, once it goes full free to play. Uh, assuming I'm yeah. uh, reading that right, of course. Where are you seeing uh, that? It's in the FAQ... Down in the general, or uh, uh, the general, save the world. Oh, okay. It, it looks like uh, the uh, uh, if you buy in during the uh, the founders period, you get an extra daily pinata pack loot box thing. I'm not sure how they're uh, going to monetize this if it, if they are going free to play. Hmm. Interesting. It looks like they're going to go yeah, with cosmetics. Yeah, it says Fortnite will be free to play at some point in 2018. So, well, I just saved I you money. They, I, I cost you money I last saved. week. I saved you money this week. Yeah, but you saved me a lot more money than you cost me because it only cost me like eight dollars to buy, uh, to buy the train game. So I'm go- I'm so. going to assume this is going to go on the <laughs> uh, the play uh, the uh, uh, the stream night rotation at some point. Oh yeah, I'm not sure about the battle royale mode. Maybe I'll try it at some point. Maybe yo, maybe I just—it's one of those things I need to try. Yo, yo, the, <laughs> the first hit's free. I was literally about to say the first hit's free. <laughs> the first hit's free. Then the next thing I know, I have five thousand hours in uh, Player Notes Battlegrounds, and I'm running around in just the mini skirt. <laughs> uh, With my golden okay. flying pan. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we don't, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. Like, we were just amazed that it was that high. Yeah. And then we yeah, somehow well, managed well, to well, find well, a way to talk well, about it well, for this was, more than five well, minutes. Well, this is more the fact that uh, we uh, were looking for the player numbers last week. And I didn't realize it went full free-to-play. I was just assuming it was free for the people that bought Fortnite. This is what my assumptions get me whenever I don't look at Fortnite's page. Well, I knew that uh, the Battle Royale mode was going to be free-to-play, but I didn't realize that the rest of the game was going to be free-to-play at some point. So, I just thought that was, this was like, I don't know, experimental, like, hey, the multiplayer mode, the the PvP mode, this mode is free, 
And, yeah, uh, it looks like they're like not planning on doing other PvP or full PvP mode, which is fine. I mean, how if they could bounce it around the Battle Royale mode for PvP, that's I'll have no problem with that. Yeah, I think that may be a part of the problem with some uh, multiplayer shooters is that they tr- or that try to balance both a single player experience and a multiplayer experience. They try to focus too much, or hell, even uh, looking back at uh, World of Warcraft. They tried to balance the two, and it never worked until they separated them. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of World of Warcraft. Oh. Right. <laughs> uh, Overwatch's director says it's scary to be open with players. Oh, boy. We're, I think we're going to have words. I mean, it's really simple. Um, I mean, there is always going to be a small percentage of people who are just going to be awful. Because, I don't know, they're they're too big a fan. They have too much of their self-worth wrapped up in this thing. But in general, if you're just honest with people and admit when you made a mistake, the biggest majority of people are like, okay, that's fine. I'm not, like, going to be upset and make death threats to you online. But because developers have created this hype culture and overhype things and overpromise and under deliver over it over time after time yeah repeatedly people have just i mean i don't think that it's right that people have responded this way but i mean it's human nature to lash out at things that that hurt you and yeah they're not physically hurting you but they're hurting you emotionally and monetarily and monetarily yeah because you buy things and it's like wait this isn't what you said it was going to be fuck you i mean it's it's hilarious that this article links no man's sky <laughs> Because there was a lot of toxicity about No Man's Sky, understandably so. I mean, granted, sending them death threats was a little much, but being salty about, wait a minute, this game that you promised it was going to be the, uh, well, the uh, the moon and the stars? Uh, Well, I only see the moon. The the stars aren't even rendering. Oh, fuck, the game crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it, Blizzard is trying to police human nature a little much in the last, well, how long has Overwatch been out? Because it's really seemed to be since they got into the first person, uh, shooter market, really. Maybe it's just the fact that the first, the, the hardcore first person, uh, shooter player is a different beast than what they're used to. So they're not used to, you know, as much porn about their video games, as much toxicity, as many cheaters. Granted, there were definitely cheaters in World of Warcraft. I'm not about to say that. And there's definitely porn about World of Warcraft. But they're not used to this magnitude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that that's it. They just... Well, I think that's part of it. They're just... Like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, outside of the extreme buffet gamers... Gamers tend to stick to particular genres or a group of genres that are somewhat related. You know, your strategy uh, uh, nuts may uh, be your 4X, your real time, that sort of thing. But uh, a more buffet gamer is uh, more of a rarity. I won't say it's a complete rarity, but having someone that plays a lot of World of Warcraft and a lot of first person shooters is a bit more rare. I think that's fair to say, don't you? Yeah, I, I think so, too. So they're dealing with a different market than they ever dealt with. And they're also not used... Well, 
I'm, I'm not sure if I want to say they're not used to people not fanboying or fanboying too much because it's really both extremes at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. Although I think the fanboying too much is, is more vocal prevalent in this. Yeah. Definitely more vocal. So, yeah. I mean, we discovered this last minute when we thought we were not going to have enough yeah, time. Yeah, it turned out we were we were wrong. <laughs> we were way wrong. So, yeah, let's move on to our last couple of bits, uh, which first up is our community corner. Once again, no emails, but Sad we face. had a couple of, couple of responses to the question of the week. And then, didn't you say we had like one random drunk tweet from a certain someone? Yep. We had Kyle. Uh, he tweeted, drunk. <laughs> No, no, he literally t- t- tweeted drunk. <laughs> and nice. then uh, the question of the week, uh, with one of, one of my more general questions, what is a video gaming classic? And I use classic, classic in kind of sarcasm quotes because, yeah, you know, classic for everyone means something completely different. So, yeah, it was more generalizing. That you never played, but you intend to at some point. Jim, any of the Zelda games... And Kim uh, came back, probably Shadow of the Colossus, once I get back into gaming and uh, build a PC capable of emulating a PS2. That's not that difficult. My laptop can emulate a PS2. Well, probably once a a bit more overhead, yeah, just in case. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, And also, it really depends on the resolution, because if you're doing the native resolution, it's a lot different than uh, upscaling to 720p. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you start uh, making it a lot prettier, doing uh, super sampling that sort of thing. That's why I'm that, oh, that's yeah. why I'm limiting uh, myself to 720p on Dark Cloud. Was I wanted uh, that uh, you know to be sure that I don't have it, well limit any p- possible performance hitches. Yeah. So you you told I didn't normally I check the question of the week ahead of time and prepare, but I didn't this week, and you told me what it was, and I I've. Oh, there's a few. There's a few classic games that I've always wanted to play, but I never have. Um, so, I although the thing that I've settled on, at least right now in this moment, is uh, Sh- the Shinmu games. The first ah, two, a good choice. I've always like ever since the first time I saw them, and I think it was G four, um, maybe in like Attack of the Show or something. Um, I don't. I don't remember like. I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but it was on it was on G4 a long time ago. They were talking about like classic games or something, like games to play from the previous console generation, and uh, Shinmu was one of them. And I was always fascinated by it. Plus, it's an example of quick time events done well. So I've always wanted to go back and play those, and I never have. Yeah, the one for me, and it's kind of funny uh, because I just saw before we started recording that it's coming to Steam. <laughs> Is Okami. Oh, yeah, Okami. Yeah, it's getting an HD re-release on Steam, and I didn't know that until literally just before we started recording. So, may do that. Yeah. I was was a a big fan of Okami. It was one of the first games that I ever played that made me think, huh, games can be really beautiful. Just because it's got an amazing art style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a game doesn't have to be realistic to be beautiful. Yeah. That's something I think a lot of developers kind of lose track of is that that they chase the realism a little too much. And some games, it, you start to get into the Uncount Any Valley. I mean, well, 
look at some of the criticism for the latest uh, NBA game. Well, outside of the whole microtransaction thing, but uh, they they're squarely in the middle of the uncanny valley. <laughs> yeah. One of the other ones that I thought of is I'm like the biggest fan in the world of Freelancer. I've never played Star Lancer. I owned it at one point. Um, we have this chain of like used, like a, a used media store that you know sells books, DVDs, games, PC, like all kinds of stuff. They're um, they're called uh, McKay's, and I bought Star Lancer at McKay's once a long time ago, but I never played it. And then I think I took it back. Ah. Well, speaking of that, uh, it makes me think of Wing Commander. That, that that's a I've, series I think I played up a little bit, but it's probably so old now that it's a, a bitch to even d- get to run. Yeah, and it has a lot of Didn't full they, motion video. Isn't Wing Commander on GOG? Uh oh, I'm going. I'm going to look. Wing Commander. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, they're on. The GOG. question is, yeah, how does it handle the full motion video? Because that's going to be the big thing. That is a good question, but is there it a are a lot stamp? more Wing Commander games than I thought. So, a uh, good question of the week, I think. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to keep naming off old games that we want to play at some point. Um, Maybe we should make a list. There's a lot of old games I haven't played. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Zelda games uh, is also up there. Uh, granted, I'm not sure where I'd want to start with Zelda. I, it, it, I'm probably going to get crucified for this, but I don't think... Dive into the N64 uh, Zelda games is for me, and it's not just the uh, the look of the game, you know how absolutely dated it looks, but also just pure design because it's the first 3D Zelda game. So by today's standards, it is very very rough, and you also yeah. had the weirdness that is the uh, N64 controller. That oh, what the fuck was Nintendo thinking on that? If you've never played a Zelda game ever before in your life, probably Ocarina of Time is a good place to start. Yeah, but I have played... Because it's very hand-holdy. Well, I, but if you have, it's nowhere near the best in the series. Uh-oh. I know. Now, I know. Now, Crucify now, me, now too. You're in trouble. Uh, well, at, least I'll be, I, uh, at least I'll have some company. I've played a lot of Zelda games. I mean, I haven't played anything past Spirit Tracks. Uh, of course you the DS the, one. the one with the train. The one with the trains, yeah. And the um, one I played the most of was Link's Awakening, which is a weird one to begin with. But I got most of the way through it, and uh, then I got stuck on a dungeon. Yeah. I get them confused because of, of the, their names so similarly, but there's a Link to the Past and a Link Between Worlds. And whichever one is the older one Link for... to the Past was the, in, uh, was the, was the Nintendo... Well, was the Super Nintendo, sorry. Okay. In my opinion, that's the best Zelda game. Yeah, I've started a couple times, but I've just never stuck with it. And the thing is that the easiest way for me to stick with a game is to do it on my channel, because I have that commitment. But, Nintendo game. Right. Yeah, we should we should make a list sometime. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of old games that I haven't played that I'd like to play. Are we going to go retro for November? We could. I don't know, I'll have to think about it. <laughs> well, uh, it didn't work out okay. well last time, though. No. Um, but yeah, we had our, our question of the week. We had our drunk text. Let us. Well, move uh, on well, before to- that, if you wish to 
Answer the question week. You find it on Twitter, VGL Podcast on Twitter, or if you wish to, uh, well, get, uh, give the both some food or scare them away, you can email us, VGL Podcast at gmail.com with your hopefully info. <laughs> hello, anyone out there? Hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody in there? I mean, I can hear you downloading. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if this new mic makes my singing better or worse. Yes. And. And moving along to the discovery queue. Hit the music. Yep. <laughs> cue the theme song. Let us see what uh, we cue. have today. Yeah. And I didn't have. I was bringing up Steam. Uh. Just as that interesting Air- airport CEO, I got I got one in there first. This looks like a tycoon game where you manage an airport. They got that on my wish list. Uh, well, it's now on my wish list. I'm copying the link now. <clears throat> I mean, I play like a kajillion tycoon style mm-hmm. games, so obviously that would be yeah. This to me. looks interesting. Stick fight the game. Physics-based, uh, well, uh, a well, I was about to say couch co-op, but a uh, uh, couch online fighting game. It just looking at the trailer it looks a lot of fun. A lot of destructible environments, a lot of uh, just uh, goofy shit going on. <laughs> it, All right, it would be a fun stream game, I think, if we could get four people, and it's a five-dollar game. That is. That could be a lot of fun. Only problem is, I imagine it doesn't have a lot of players. See, stick fight the game. Yeah, I put it on the. Uh, you should have the link there. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, do. just look at the trailer. Tell me that wouldn't be fun on a stream night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was about to write this off, then the trailer started playing. It's like, oh. This, yeah, the screenshots do not do this justice because yeah, the screenshots make it look like a piece of shit. Yeah. But this looks... Oh, wait, the platforms break? Oh, and there's guns. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling uh, uh, if this goes on... Uh, I just got airport CEO. <laughs> if they had like... If they put up like a, a four pack or something mm-hmm. like that, I'd buy one and give them to some of you guys. Yeah, I just had airport CEO, so I'll skip that get a lot of lot of trash well the problem is that you have literally every game on uh, steam in your wish list and it it, it takes those out oh hey I got figment oh. <laughs> I, I, I really sold that one to you I, I got one for you though uh, let's see Ooh, and I picked the microphone a lot there hob and uh an action adventure from Runic Games. So, Torchlight. I didn't know this came out. Uh, I really, really like Torchlight. And uh, this looks like it's a... Well, it's not a loot-driven uh, action RPG or uh, dungeon crawler like uh, Torchlight was. But it has a very interesting art style. Kind of uh, uh, the cel-shaded almost. A cel-shaded, very simple uh, 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 models. You see what I'm looking, uh, what I'm talking about? Yes. It has, a, like I said, interesting art style, and it's from a company that I know uh, 
worked as well. So, I think it's uh, at least worth checking out. Granted, it is a, a 20 buck game, so it's not uh, on the uh, impulse buy range, but yeah, it's something worth uh, looking at. So, Dead Exit. This basically looks like Dead of Winter, the card game. Okay. The video game. Um, it's a, a cooperative card game uh, where you can play in like a solitaire mode where you are trying to build up all of the resources and everything that you need to survive and escape a city that a zombie apocalypse is broken out in. But it looks very, I mean, it's very clearly inspired by Dead of Winter if you're, I mean, we know what that is, yeah. but, you know. I got... Yeah, I can see it in the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you can just see it in the card design and, like, the mechanics that you can watch in the the trailer. Very much inspired by the board game, which is fine. Like, it doesn't look like it's a copy of the board game. It just looks like someone played it, liked it, and designed a card game version of that. Well, I got a Devolver Digital game, so, you know, this is going to be weird. Ruiner, a brutal action shooter set in the year 2091. It has, once again, a very over-the-top, almost simplistic art style once again. Oh, look, there's boobs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yay, boobs. Oh, well, you're sold. Uh, Total Biscuit's most recent video was I, I haven't seen like... it yet. I saw him do a video on it, but... Uh, I, uh, it looks interesting. Yeah. It's... Ooh, space game. Uh-oh. Sci-fi space game. Galactic Crew. Galactic Crew is a roguelike sci-fi exploration game. You and your various crew members will explore a galaxy far away with all its dangers and riches. But it's like it's got a like a cutout of the ship. It looks like you manage your crew. I, I was about to say, uh, are there Anything any uh, space games that aren't sci-fi? <laughs> of at least some degree. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I guess there's some, like, realistic space games that focus on True. the space... I, I, like, I was more recurrent. looking for Space Wizard. <laughs> well, oh, wait, that's yeah, Jedi. Fair enough. Yeah, it's, uh, that's Star Wars. Yeah, but it's still sci-fi. Or, sorry, I'm science in. fantasy. Man, if only that was, like, ten bucks. I'd buy it right <laughs> now if it was ten bucks. But it's twenty bucks, and I'm not gonna spend twenty bucks on a whim. Yeah, I got a couple really good-looking games, but they're not for me, so I'm skipping them. And okay. a couple that I, that looks interesting, but I know they're shit. And that is it for me. I'm done. Okay, I am almost done. I had I had several that were just garbage, but I've had a few good ones too. What is this? Asteroids Millennium. Oh, it's literally an HD version. Well, not an HD version, but like... Oh, God. Uh, 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 a remaster of Asteroids? <laughs> it's I'm skipping it. It looks like shit. But it has the highest quality pixels. The highest the highest quality triangle. Alright, and here's my last game. Space Wrangler. What? Space Wrangler is a dynamic space sandbox feature multiplex variety of gameplay. Alright, I'm in. That's another one of these. <laughs> oh, and this one's only ten bucks. Uh, sold. Although it it doesn't look as good though. 
I'm not sure I'm willing to spend 10 bucks on a whim on this. I'll look into it, though. Let me drop a link. I feel like this space genre is coming back. The freelancer style game is coming back. Well, it's probably very easy to code now. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, pre-made stuff for it. Oh, that's that's definitely a mining laser. Yep, I'm in. I'm We've there. We've lost Jared. We've All lost him. I'm looking for a new co-host. Uh, Kyle, I'm activating you. I'm activating the chip that I've been planning on in you. Uh, just don't scratch at it too much. Uh, we don't want to explode yet. <laughs> Lend a hand in wrangling up asteroids that have strayed from the herd. Return to the desired location to unlock further wrangling uh, opportunities. Oh, we are. We, we've lost Jared. He's gone. That's that sounds like such bullshit. But like the my kind of bullshit. Oh uh, yeah, Jared's gone. It was good knowing Jared. Yes, it was. All right. Yep, that's my whole cue. So. So part of the, uh, time for the part of the podcast where you go start first. Correct, and Amundo, I'm going to the part of the podcast. Well, where I go first. So, if you want to find me on the interwebs, you can find my YouTube channel by searching for Gaming Psychologist. I have one ro- long running series now. I say long running. Four weeks is, I guess, a long time for me. Uh, but it is VGLCOM, my XCOM 2 Let's Play. That series is moving from... I was doing like twice a week or like once every like five, four or five days. But I am going to be moving that series to weekly for the time being. Uh, given the last couple of weeks, I was unable to record new episodes. So the episode that will have... That just went up, I think, uh, a couple of days ago is currently the most the the last one that I have recorded. Uh, I plan on doing some recording, but I'm going to go weekly for a little while just so I have a chance to get ahead, especially coming into the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year. So that series is going to be weekly for the time being. It might go back to twice a week or at least more frequently than once every seven days. But for the time being, weekly. Uh, beyond that, uh, there's always all kinds of random stuff that's coming up on that that comes up on my channel. I've got another idea that I'm slowly bringing into fruition. Uh, my channel is called Gaming Psychologist, and there's a lot of gaming, but there's not very much psychology. Yeah. So, one of my one of my my ideas is I'm I'm working on it. I've got a rough draft of a script. Um, the idea behind the series is a counseling sort of 101, like what to expect if you go to counseling, and I've got a rough script. Um, it needs some more work, but I'm working on it. It's going to be coming. There's going to be some more psych-related content as opposed to just gaming content. Other places you can find me on the interwebs over on Twitter. You can follow me at JMA4707, where I tweet about many different kinds of things. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. We stream most Friday nights. Uh, every great once in a while, I get the sort of I don't know, the gumption, the moxie to stream on a the random moxie, night. Wow. The the moxie. And with the holidays coming up, there might be a couple of extra stream nights because I'm taking, you know, some time off around the holidays. Might want to stream a game or two. You never know. So should I you watch out for uh, being tapped for being co-host? No, yeah, maybe. Depends on what I'm streaming and what you're up to. But once again, yeah, you can find that 10. over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 if you want to be friends with me on steam you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707 i accept all random friend requests i made a new friend last week and we had an interesting conversation 
Uh, and there's some stuff that I need to put together for us to do for like a, I don't know, a, a topic for the show, but I did not get all of that compiled. But, oh boy. Uh, it, <laughs> it was a lot of like interesting questions that we're going to be asking. Some of them are fun. Some of them are, si- are just super silly. Um, none of them are very serious. So we'll have fun with that rage. Maybe I'll get that one put together for next week. Yeah. Uh, put those in the show notes. Or in the uh, general yeah. topics list, and if you wish to let them know exactly what of the uh, what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Seymour. <laughs> Feed me Seymour. Well, well, actually, Feed I was going Seymour because Skinner box Seymour Skinner. See, mm-hmm. I was going for the Simpsons S- re- reference. Seymour butts. I, I got a Seymour butts. <laughs> uh, come on, I'm gonna see more butts here. Hmm. Oh, so my turn. Your turn. You know, I like it whenever I step away for uh, this because I don't have to listen. <laughs> I'm just being mean. Oh, so my channel. Well, my channel's in a bit of a disarray because I was pushing back for a, a episode of uh, the Sunday Sampler that never really came out but it also gave me some extra time to work on dark cloud 2 which will be starting up the well the day before the podcast releases rim world has uh still going on it has some messy episodes coming up though so if you'd like to see me struggle and uh do badly oh boy do i have the episodes for you <laughs> and uh divinity is hopefully going to be more stable as well, we're recording it again because yeah, someone stopped having a life, right? Woo! <laughs> and of course, the Sunday sampler will hopefully be back to its usual Sunday spot this week, as well as the podcast that you're currently listening to also appears on the YouTube channel, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or if you just uh, see me tweet somewhat randomly about who knows what, like today I was tweeting about seeing advent calendars out. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. You were like, it's not even fucking Halloween yet. It's it's, it's barely like October. Uh, for reference, if you don't remember the date, it's October 4th. Well, right now, because the date's uh, ticked over. October 4th, and there's advent calendars out. And you want to know the sad part? That I did tweet what? out. The display was half empty. So either well, these are old advent calendars from last year, or people are fucking buying them. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if my mom hasn't already bought an advent calendar for this year. She's like, look, I got I got your advent calendar. You can do it with King. Thanks, Mom. We're just going to take all the candy out of it because, <laughs> you know. Actually, I really like uh, watching Ashens do the really shit uh, Lego ones. Because he has some sort of weird backstory with them as well. Uh, have you ever <laughs> seen those? No. Uh, go watch Ashen's. Uh, I think he started in 2014 with this Playmobil uh, set. And it's kind of gotten this own lore. Yeah, go watch those. The, the, each one, each episode is like a minute or two. Oh, but uh, Twitter uh, gaming with C. Are if you wish to see the absolute nonsense that's over there. And once again, if you don't remember the podcast's email, I'll say it again. Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related subjects, or just to scare the ever-living hell out of the moths. 
or you just tweet us VGL Podcast on Twitter. If you want to pay for this absolute madness, you could contact us through our Patreon, patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. We would greatly appreciate your monetary donations. If you wish to see the show notes, vglpodcast.podbean.com, as I'm boring the ever-loving hell out of Jared. Because <laughs> I heard that, yawn. I just- <laughs> No, that was a, a chuckle, actually, not a yawn, a chuckle. Oh, well, it sounded like a yawn. <laughs> we greatly value your monetary donations. That was amazing. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, especially with your pin numbers. <laughs> yeah, if you could just, you know, just send us pictures <laughs> of your credit cards. Front and back, please. Actually, that would work. <laughs> we need that security code on the back. Well, sorry, I'm uh, I'm rattling this off uh, just randomly, and, and sometimes, no, and sometimes it's actually decent, but not this week it seems. Uh, well, uh, show notes, vglpodcast.podbean.com, uh, as well as the RSS feed, or you just uh, sign up uh, through iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, wherever the hell we are. Our intro and outro music is "On the Ground" by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work at computech.com. As well as Doobly Doo uh, covers our Discovery Q, also by the same artist. <laughs> hmm. you're, you're very tired, and That's it's very good. easy to get you to chuckle right now. I like that Doobly Doo Discovery Q. It rhymed, and it made me giggle. Anyways, as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, Buh bye now. Bye. Bye. I'm going to need that new co host because I've lost Jared. It's just gone. Bye bye. He's bye. He's bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Y'all come back now, you hear? I don't think they're coming back. <laughs> yeah, I think that's enough. <laughs>